Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. I want to remind everybody that tickets for AEW's next big pay-per-view event, Revolution, taking place February 29th at the Wintrust Arena in downtown Chicago, Illinois. They will go on sale this Friday, December 20th at AEWTix.com. Vicky, uh, you might be you might be right with Orange Cassidy. He is a, he's a pretty tough guy. Uh, he's not one to back away in a Blink-182 concert. The man is actually one of the bravest I've ever seen. He's so brave that he would strap a bucket of maple syrup to his back and drive a motorbike through the great country of Canada. You know, right now on Discord, they're putting all these uh, photos of uh, people dancing. Little fat Asians, the guy from fucking Fresh Prince, uh, handicapped people, animals. And just think, when I start going video in 2020, you will see yours truly actually dancing and live on video. And you know, that opening clip. Who doesn't like a little bit of trolling? Come on, there's a lot of trolling going on. Joey Janela to Cornette, Cornette to Joey Janela, Joey Janela to Enzo, Enzo to Tamatonga, Tamatonga to Enzo, the Democrats to President Trump. We got a busy night tonight, everyone. It is Wednesday, December 18th, not February. Some people will know why I'm saying that. It is episode 14 of Wednesday Night Dynamite. I am Don Tony back once again. We're going to have a real fun show. Before I go any further, I want to wish everybody a happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Whether you celebrate Christmas or not, because, you know, in the United States, to some people, you're not, you know, it's inappropriate to say Merry Christmas. And anybody that's a longtime listener, uh, well, I shouldn't even say long time. This happened a year ago. But if you've been listening, you already know the story. For those that are newer, just to give you a little bit of the bullshit that happens towards Christmas time. About a year ago, I had a problem with a customer. I'm in the insurance field. And um, I had to deal with an insurance company to try to fix a problem. And I was dealing with this woman. I won't mention her name. 
even though I know she doesn't listen to wrestling or watch or anything like that. But, yeah, we'll just call her uh, Brandy. How's that? Brandy. We'll call her Brandy. So, anyway, I'm on the phone with her for about 40 minutes a year ago. And, um, you know, we ended up fixing the problem. And, you know, I've talked to her at least 10, 15 times in the past before this. And, you know, long story short, we fixed the problem. My customer doesn't cancel. Everything is paid. Everything is processed. And right when I'm getting off the phone, I say to her, I say, listen, uh, Brandy, uh, if I don't talk to you again before the uh, next week, have a great Merry Christmas. All the best. I can't thank you enough for all your help. You know what her response was to me? I swear to fucking God. She says, how do you know I celebrate Christmas? And I thought she was joking for a minute. And it was this really awkward pause on my part. And I was like, excuse me? And she's like, um, how do you know I celebrate Christmas? And I was like, well, you know, I celebrate Christmas. And I just, you know, I'd say to everybody, she says, well, I don't celebrate Christmas. And I was like, okay, my apologies. And I hung up the phone and I was like, wow, what a fucking cunt. I mean, what a dumbass bitch. Because, I, and I brought this up in the past. If I go to fucking Africa, all right, and it happens to be Kwanzaa, and I get off the plane, I guarantee you some people that are really, really deep with celebrating holidays, especially their, their tradition, their their race, I guarantee you people would come up to me and go, happy Kwanzaa, happy Kwanzaa. Would I turn around and say to them, how do you know I celebrate Kwanzaa? It's just, you're just wishing someone, you know, like a happy holiday. And it just blows me away that, you know, I have to feel guilty sometimes to wish people, you know, a Merry Christmas. And, and case in point, I filled out a couple of Christmas cards this year for my UPS driver, my postman, my doctor, and I actually wrote Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas because I kind of was saying to myself, you know, what if one of them doesn't celebrate Christmas? Are they going to get offended because I said Merry Christmas so, but on this show, I am telling everybody out there, Merry fucking Christmas, Happy Holidays, in case you don't celebrate it. Now, quick programming note. Next week, NXT is not live. AEW is not live. The following week, NXT is not live. AEW will be live. What does that mean for Wednesday Night Dynamite? Well, I already announced it early this week, and I would let everybody know over here. Yours truly will not be on Christmas Day. I apologize, but I will be with family. So I will be off next Wednesday for Christmas Day. However, I will be back live January 1st, 2020. And I know what a lot of you have been asking me is the first video show for, for Don Tony uh, January 1st, 2020. No, it's going to be around the, the first week of January, you know, second week at most. I haven't even decided which show will be the first show going video, but um, it is happening in January. I got everything set up pretty much on my end. As you could hear, the audio quality has been drastically improved from last week, and that is uh, to stay. And um, not a bad week in pro wrestling. I mean, AEW, NXT just went off the air. And if you remember two weeks ago, and we talked about it last week, that you know AEW and NXT were really going out of their way to hype up December 18th episodes. Not last week, but this week, you know, they were really pushing for this week. Now 
I talked last week on how AEW blew it with the storyline with uh, Jungle Boy, Jungle um, Jack Perry. And did you notice how many times tonight they said Jungle Jack Perry, Jim Ross especially? What did we say on this show last week? That needs to be his name because he isn't going to be a boy. You know, he's not Shawn Michaels. He's not going to be a boy for that much longer. He's a fucking man. I'm just surprised that after the match was over tonight, Jim Ross didn't yell out, you know, out of his seat. You know, tonight, you know, Jungle Jack Perry, you know, Jungle Boy became a man. I mean, it's easy. That's a given. I mean, I'm not telling him what to say or what to do. But, you know, I honestly thought I would have heard that tonight. Um, you know, Jungle Boy, I don't know exactly. How old is Jungle Boy, uh, Jack Perry? I mean, was he 22? How old, did, how old did, could he be? 23? Uh, president Trump says he's 14. I, that's not the real President Trump. Pre, the real President Trump is a little bit busy today. Uh, somebody saying 22 to 23. Well, you just go on Google. Google, get me the air. Without a doubt, future star. Um, you know, I, I people saying, oh, future world champion. I mean, like, let's, you know, I, I know his father died, and I know he's a likable guy, and he's a genuinely nice guy on the outside, but, you know, let's not overdo it. I mean, let's not go over the top here. Um, Darby Allen tonight, he teamed up with Cody Rhodes. A uh, couple of, um, you know, mess-ups and, you know, that AEW and Jim Ross and everybody will go out of their way to remind us that Darby Allen is only like 22 years old. So that will explain why, you know, he botches a lot. And it's nothing against Darby Allen. He's definitely talented. But, um, man, when they did that, you know, Tope in unison, him and Cody Rhodes, and they fucking replayed it like three or four times. I'm like, do you, you do realize he fucked up, like, really, really bad. And once again, and trust me, anybody that's a regular listener to the show knows, I do not do AEW ship parades. I don't do NXT ship parades. I am straight down the middle. I will praise what is good. I will shit on what is bad. I will give my constructive criticism, but I also try to give ways to fix things. You know, it's very easy when people are on social media and they just bitch and bitch and bitch, and bitch. Take notice how they never give you solutions. Very easy to point out the bad things. You know, you go to a restaurant, you know, ah, this tastes like this, and this is a little bit too salty, and this kind of tastes like that, and complain, 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 complain. You know, I mean, unfortunately, I don't know too many jobs on Craigslist or fucking monster.com that says, help wanted, complainer, help wanted, bitch boy. I mean, these people out there, I I will never, ever accept the fact that, oh, because I'm a wrestling fan, I have a right to bitch about something that I can't stand watching week in and week out and week in and week out. And I'm sorry if I repeat it a lot down the line, but I'm a fucking music fan. You don't see me ripping and complaining and shitting on dubstep every single week, but I still listen to music. You know, these these people just need attention. They need to get noticed. And I love when they fucking type all in capital letters. Like, oh, he's really making his statement. Tonight, he is truly a bitch boy. But um, we'll get into that. Let's talk about trolling first, right? I opened up with Joey Janela. 
He did some commentating for AEW Dark this week, as did Vicky Guerrero. Excuse me, she did the whole shtick. I watched the entire episode of AEW Dark. I thought they did a decent job. The only thing I didn't like about Vicky's appearance is that it seemed like all they focused on is her being a cougar and who she would go out on a date with. That's what it felt like. But the reason why I decided to open up with Joey Janela's comment is because things like that, you really get to learn who lies about shows that they watch, who lies about podcasts that they listen to, who lies about things that they claim they follow. It was funny on Monday Night Raw when we had Deanna Perrazzo wrestle and she, you know, she took on Asuka. And I know we don't talk about Raw SmackDown here, but she's from NXT, so I'm making a point. And I invite anybody out there, if you want a good laugh, you may not even have noticed it until I'm bringing it up now. But if you really want a good laugh, just go back to social media from Monday and look at all the podcasters and the websites that were on social media giving all this constructive criticism about how Deanna Peraza looks, about some of the moves that she does in this and that. And these are people that claim that they watch NXT on a weekly basis. But you actually read what they wrote. They knew nothing about Deanna Perrazzo. And by the way, thank you very much, Solomon. Uh, Jungle Boy, Jungle Jack Perry, as I prefer to call him, he is 22 years old. Uh, to me, you know, that's officially a man. Uh, he's a man. 22 years old, you're a man. 22 years old, my father already was married, already had me, already had my brother, and worked three fucking jobs. I, I guarantee you he wasn't Nicky boy, Nicky boy. He was a fucking man. Jungle boy is a man. And by the way, for people that are going to ask, I like the match with Chris Jericho today. I like that he went to 10 minutes. And even more the reason why, as I said last week, who's the dog's name from Family Guy? The, the Italian one. Not, not, you know, not the regular dog. What was the, the, the Italian dog's name? Carmine, was it? Or Vinny? Vinny, yeah. That's why last week, remember? AEW, you blew it. You blew it. This should have been a Rocky theme. It's right near New Year's. You blew it. You blew it. He went the distance. Didn't that fucking happen with Apollo Creed and Rocky Balboa, Rocky One? You blew it. You blew it. You had it fucking hand-fed, you know? And I, I don't know. Uh, Tony, you know, Shad, did you ever watch Rocky? Seriously, you know, did you ever watch Rocky? Uh, Oh, no, I never watched Rocky. I mean, come on. That's so fucking easy. It's a given. You blew it. But the match was good. But just think on how much more buzz would have been if they would have started at maybe a week or two earlier. I mean, Jesus Christ, they showed fucking Jack Perry fucking running in the woods and running down the fucking highway and, you know... They showed all this training stuff. You give an extra week or two and let people make the correlations to Rocky and he goes the fucking distance. Now, granted, I will say this tonight. Jericho has won and retained the AEW heavyweight title with the walls of Jericho. To see Jack Perry, as small as he is, to be in the ring for 75 seconds and not tap out to the walls of Jericho is a little bit too much for me to suspend disbelief. Again, let me repeat. I enjoyed the fucking match. 
I gave a lot of opinions on how the storyline could have been even better, and I think it would have helped Jack Perry even go to another level. But AEW, you blew it. You blew it. But, um, you know, when I watched him in the ring, not tapping out to the walls of Jericho for that long, you know what I had flashbacks of? I'm curious if anybody else had this flashback. I'll give you some hints. WWF, I don't know, 25 years ago around, um, someone in a submission move that went on 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 50 seconds, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. No, it's not Stone Cold WrestleMania. That shit was fucking awesome. Um, come on, Bret Hart, Bob Backlund. You remember that? When Backlund had the chicken wing on Bret Hart and Owen is at ringside, God rest his soul, talking to his parents, doing hell and God rest their souls. Like, come on, you got to throw in the towel. Come on, you got to. You... And just go back and watch that. I'm not kidding. You could literally microwave a Hot Pocket, eat it, wash the dish that you just had your Hot Pocket in, shit it out, wipe your ass, take a shower, clean your ass, get dressed, and Bob Backlund would have still had the fucking chicken wing, cross-faced chicken wing on Bob Backlund. Sometimes, you know, when it gets a little bit too long, it gets a little bit goofy. And the only reason why I had a problem with that tonight is because look at Jericho's wins in AEW with the walls of Jericho. People have tapped out very, 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 very quickly. And to think Jungle Jack Perry getting his ass kicked for 10 minutes and then, you know, he's got these, you know, bionic fucking legs. He's got these jungle legs that, you know, withstand pain. Those 90210 fucking calves that, oh, you know, I, I could withstand it for 75 seconds. To me, that was a little bit too long. 30 seconds, you know, and, and plus, here's the thing, too. This is what something AEW really should have understood tonight. You know, when you don't want to give fans enough time to start being like, all right, already, you know, all right, already. You don't want to give fans time to think. So if he's in the walls of Jericho for 30 seconds, 20 seconds, you know, it's so close. And I know they want to make it sound, look like he withstood the pain and everything like that. But I think 30 seconds is an awful long time. If I stay quiet here for 30 seconds, after 10 seconds, people would be like, all right, fuck it. We get your point. All right. So... I thought that was a little bit too long today. And by the way, since we're on production stuff with AEW, they did something tonight that I just thought was horrendous. This should not be happening. And I say this as a big AEW fan that I want them to improve, but there's no excuse for shit like this. What happened before Jericho had his match with Jack Perry tonight? Jungle Jack. What happened tonight? Did anybody see that on TV? They have Jericho in the ring with Jake Hager. And then Sammy, I think Sammy Guevara hit the ring. And he's got cue cards. And they go to a commercial break. So you're literally watching the commercial split screen with the AEW feed. And Jericho is on the fucking mic. And Guevara is passing the cue cards and Jericho is trash-talking the fans and Jungle Boy, and you can't hear it. 
You can't see it because it's a split screen. It's so fucking small. They did that on a commercial break. How the fuck do you have... And and look, forever in wrestling, going back to Raw, when there would be a commercial break, you would have wrestlers come out to the live crowd only and shit on the local town to get a, a little bit additional heel heat. And then when they come back from commercial, the wrestler comes out like as if he wasn't just out on camera and the fans are booing that much more because he just shit on them during a commercial break. The fuck are you doing a split screen with Jericho cutting what looked to be a funny promo and you got cue cards and all this stuff and we can't hear a goddamn thing because we're at a fucking commercial. And then what happened halfway through? When we all start typing on social media, uh, what the fuck did he say? What the fuck? Does anybody... Did, what? What? How the fuck you shot? Then they go to a full commercial break. A full commercial break. I mean, it's you know what it's like? It's like you're, you're going down on your girl and you're about to get, you know, get laid and everything. And as you go down on it, a fucking phone rings. So you're trying to like pay attention to the job that you got to do and you're carpet munching and everything. And the phone is fucking ringing. That's the commercial break. So now you got the split screen. You got the phone ringing in the background. You're trying to carpet munch. You're hoping that your girl doesn't pay attention to the phone and you're just trying to keep doing what you're doing. But meanwhile, you get distracted. And then what fucking happens? She's like, I, I can't. I'm just not in the mood anymore. And I'm like, motherfucker, who the fuck called my house? Ma, the fuck you doing? Calling my house in, this late in, in the night. That's what they did. They went to a goddamn commercial. The full-blown commercial. How the fuck do you do that? Who the fuck in the back of AEW's you know, production crew says... Let's go to commercial Blake. Let's show split screen. Let's show split screen. You know, let, let people see, but they cannot hear. The fuck is that shit? That's inexcusable. That's bush leak. That's not, oh, we've only been on TV for three months. That's inexcusable. They have done a lot of that dopey. I don't mind. I don't mind commercial breaks and seeing a little bit extra from the live feed. Because back in the day, you know, when we used to see Raw, sometimes there would be a feed from the arena. And sometimes you got to see dark matches. Sometimes you got to see little things that you could not see on the USA Network because they go to a commercial break. But this is intentional. This is not where there's a feed on and there's nothing we could do about it. And everybody could watch it. This is someone consciously thinking, oh, this is good TV. Yes, split screen. We cannot, they cannot hear, but it's okay. They can, they can uh, guess. They can uh, make up their own mind. And why am I talking like this? That, that was just God awful. And, and look, I don't want to take away from the whole show. AEW tonight was a great show. Um, but... Things like that are totally inexcusable, in my opinion, because that is someone making a conscious decision. And don't give me, please, I don't want anybody to give me, well, you know what, maybe that's the agreement they have with the commercial company. Trust me when I tell you, I think these commercials would rather have all the focus on them. And yes, look, I'll be devil's advocate for a minute. The thinking is, or maybe they're trying to sell to the commercial companies, hey, look, We'll keep our product on split screen, so the fans are 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 uh, might stick around instead of getting up to get a pretzel. 
your beverage or go walk the dog really quick so he can pee. You know what I mean? And by, by having a split screen, you know, oh my God, Kenny Omega is walking all around the back. I mean, that's another thing. They go to a commercial break and Kenny Omega is walking around in the back. So is Hangman. We'll get into that with the recap. There's a, there, these are easily fixable errors. It's just, I don't know. I, I just don't understand how that could continue to be happening. But anyway, the original topic that I opened up with, Joey Janela commentated part of AEW Dark. And by the way, I don't mean to get off topic again. Just something for you all to think about. Cole Cabana showed up tonight in AEW. Cole Cabana did commentary for at least part of AEW Dark. Cole Cabana is great on the fucking mic. I mean, he, you know, had an awesome podcast. You know, I we know about all the shit that happened with CM Punk and everything else, but Cole Cabana is entertaining. But Cole Cabana is in NWA. Cole Cabana just finished up Ring of Honor. I've been joking. If anybody's heard this show for the last two months, I've been joking that Cole Cabana is kind of like the whore of the indie scene, that he just keeps showing up everywhere. It's like the chick that's got to go to every fucking club, go clubbing in one night. He shows up everywhere. But my question to all of you is, do you think NWA is losing or will lose a little bit of that uniqueness when wrestlers that we're supposed to feel are NWA guys now show up at Ring of Honor, show up in AEW, show up on Impact Wrestling, show up in all these other feds. You know, I think the exclusivity is an absolute must for a lot of these promotions. And I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, Colt Cabana is doing pretty damn good in NWA right now. But to see him show up in AEW Dark, I mean, I, look, I don't know if Colt Cabana has a lot of investment in NWA. And let's also be respectful and do the opposite. We don't know if NWA has a lot invested for Colt Cabana. But if, let's just go on the idea that Colt Cabana is an NWA guy right now, really wants to help them go further. I, I, how much money could he have possibly gotten tonight to show up at AEW Dark? Don't you think that that might be a little bit in a slap in the face for NWA? And even if NWA gave Cole Cabana his blessing to show up for AEW Dark, doesn't it just feel like it's taking away, you know, that aura about him in NWA? I don't know. I'm just asking a question. I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm not trying to rip on anybody. I'm just curious to see, you know, your your thoughts on it. Um, but anyway. But I originally opened up with Joey Janela, AEW Dark this past week. He was on commentary with Vicky Guerrero. And as you heard, Joey Janela took a little shot at Jim Cornette and also took a little shot at Enzo. Blink 182. That's what that was all about. But um, my uh, thing is this. I saw a lot of people's reactions to when they heard Joey Janela say that on AEW Dark. And I can't tell you how many goofy podcasters I saw write, shots fired, shots fired, shots fired. Now, for some fans out there that might be new, you know, to the game as far as Joey Janela, or maybe don't follow Jim Cornette, 
there's a few things that you may not know. Now, yes, Jim Cornette's been in the news because of the comment that he made that, you know, ultimately he ended up leaving NWA for and, you know, the whole thing about Ethiopia. But the thing is, is that for those that are not aware about the whole situation with Joey Janela and Jim Cornette, uh, there is a lot, a lot, a lot of animosity towards Cornette and Janela. And although, you know, the people were really getting hard on Janela for name dropping, well, he didn't name drop Cornette, but people are saying like, is that necessary? You know, did you, did he really need to do that? Why don't fucking AEW just ignore everybody else out there? I just want you to hear a couple of minutes of a couple of Jim Cornette podcasts that he has done. I took a couple of little samples from them, and I want you to hear a little bit of what Jim Cornette has said about Joey Janela over the last bunch of months. And after you hear it, I have a feeling that you're going to agree with me that I think not only did Joey Janela have every right to make that little shot at Cornette, but Excalibur also... Um, and Excalibur is more professional, obviously, but Excalibur, if he wanted to, he could take a couple of shots at Cornette too. This is a couple of samples of what Cornette has said recently about Joey Janela. Joey Janela, Jelly Janela, pus-filled pocket pussy, the glob of preserve that falls off the biscuit lands on your carpet. It's all mixed up with the dog hairs. <laughs> From the time he comes down the ramp, he looks like shit. Then they had the Cracker Barrel Clash. Darby Allen versus Jelly Janella versus Jimmy Havoc in a battle of the skateboard fuck versus the Pillsbury Doughboy versus the fucking junkie from England. I don't have proof he's doing drugs. I just hate to think that any human being looks like that and doesn't have the fun of doing the drugs first. It looked like three guys off the fucking street dressed up as, as wrestlers. And they didn't even touch each other before Havoc jumped out of the ring and pulled out chairs and tables and got his stupid staple gun. I felt sorry for Jim Ross. He had to halfway wink at people while he was talking about this. Instead of taking it seriously, it would have killed him. You can go back and hear all of his, you know, subtly uh, disguised code words for I can't fucking actually take this seriously or it will destroy my reputation. Then they put thumbtacks in Havoc's mouth and duct taped it shut, but Jelly Janella couldn't work the duct tape. Go back and watch that. <clears throat> then there was a spot where, where Jelly Boy is trying to find shit to play with from under the ring and pulls out a tennis racket. <laughs> Because that's going to obviously, you know, that way all of his insignificant fans will laugh because he's somehow making me mad. Actually, as I said before, I encourage every single person on the All Elite Wrestler to talk about and refer to me and show my trademarks as much as possible on the globally telecast programs that this billionaire is paying for. I encourage that. I'd like to see more of that. Thank you. However... It was a comically like a, it wasn't a real tennis racket. It was a comically large tennis racket. Like you would find at a Goonie golf place or something. It looked like it was half as big as Janela was. So people didn't even really get to fucking joke. I don't think I, I, it, and well, it like, what's that Paul Bunyan's tennis racket. Well, it seemed the like Excalibur fuck? was ready to jump on you. 
Well, yeah. Get a receipt. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he was, you know, uh, you know, Mr. Fucking sock face. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Who would want to use one of those? Well, people who make money in wrestling, you ought to try it sometime. Fucking pea brain. Sean Spears versus Jelly Nutella is on pay-per-view, which shows you how thin the roster is. There's no reason that this rotten looking fucking outlaw kid should be on pay-per-view. He tried a bunch of shit that he didn't know how to do, and it looked rotten. Yeah. They claim it. 13 years as a pro. So even though he looks like he's fucking 19 and a shaggy-haired fucking goof from the Jersey Shore, he is really in his early 30s and still lives at home with his mother. He's looking forward to changing that when the AEW money kicks in good. We know this much. But 13 years as a professional athlete, if I'm a fucking viewer at home and the announcer, even Jim Ross, who I believe, who has credibility with me, <laughs> tells me that this little fucking clown has been a professional athlete for 13 years, then that's just an unnecessary reason to bury your announcers. Because fuck, look at him. And he makes goofy faces too. I think he's trying to idolize fucking Olivier. <laughs> This went for fucking ever. Can you, I, I dare anybody out there listening to the sound of my voice. Can you imagine jelly Nutella ever having a match on a WWE owned or operated television program? Can you No. So anyway, and then Sean Spears can't even beat him by himself. Tully has to spike pile drive him on the floor, and then they pick him up and throw him in, and then Sean Spears hits his finish. Flat, blah, come on. <laughs> and you know why you think you've seen Pac and fucking Paige all those times? Because we see these same people every show they do because they have nobody else. Yeah. This is it, folks. They had better than a fucking year. And a billionaire backer to go around and come up with a fucking roster. And this is what they have given us because these are the personal friends of the people that are bilking the billionaire. Easily the worst match on the show. Spears never had a chance because he's working with that dumpy pant load who just can't work. I mean, you watch him. He's sloppy in the ring. Doesn't seem like he has any idea how to work. Just garbage. I mean, this was physically awful. looks like shit. Yeah. And, and, and everybody, once again, all these fucking cosplay wrestling fans are like, well, Cornette, you know, he's, he wants all these steroid guys. Oh yeah. I've always been pushing the big steroid freaks all my life. No, just people that look like a fucking athlete, look like a trained professional. And you, sir, Mr. Nutella, <laughs> if that is indeed your real name are not one. So that's, just a little taste of what's been going on. So, you know, Joey Janela, I think, has a right to be pissed off at Cornette a little bit. And you know what's interesting? If you actually listen to Cornette, that when people take shots at him in AEW, whether it's the racket or making a little remark here and there, like, he gets, you, he gets annoyed at it, and then he'll throw out the, you know, yeah, keep my name out there. Give me publicity. But if you notice, he can't help but to bash some of these people over and over and over again and don't get me wrong a lot of what he says is funny i mean jelly nutella is pretty fucking funny but when it gets thrown back at you you can't feel like you know the victim or you know bitch and complain so the, the, for people out there that were reading you know 
websites and bloggers and podcasters that were like, oh, Janella, you know, why would you even bring that? Well, here's a that's a little taste as far as what the fuck is going on. Uh, by the way, I got all, it, it appears this is all of the AEW uh, dark matches for next week. I am not going to give spoilers since it doesn't air until next week, but we got Sammy Guevara versus Brandon Cutler. We also have a four-way match, Private Party versus Angelico and Jack Evans versus Santana and Ortiz versus Best Friends. We also have um, a segment where Pac actually brings out uh, Michael Nakazawa, which honestly I don't think anybody out there gives a flying fuck about. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about AEW Dynamite tonight in a second. So it'll tie into what I just said about Nakazawa or whatever. Um, Sean Spears, and how's this? Tell me this isn't funny. And the funny thing about it is I had these clips for tonight already edited, pulled, and ready for a couple of days now. No bullshit. Just to show you how funny things end up sometimes. While I was playing that clip online, they announced that one of the AEW dark matches tonight was Joey Janela dressed as Santa Claus versus, drumroll please, Sean Spears. The match that Cornette just ripped the fuck about, the worst match on the pay-per-view, they did it again tonight for AEW Dark. I'm not criticizing AEW because I haven't seen the match yet, and I don't know if it was good or not. It was a comedy match, obviously. And you know what? I would not be surprised if Joey Janela ends up being the tag team partner of Sean Spears. They ended up having that match tonight. How crazy is that? Seriously. So if any other AEW Dark matches pop up, as we're doing this show tonight, I will let you know about it. Um, something else that I want to talk about before we get into tonight's live shows. Uh, something that was a very big story here in New York. Uh, we gave massive props to AEW for having a match uh, done to pay tribute to this fallen wrestler. Uh, Mish and I, unfortunately, talked about it the night of the AEW I had actually gotten some of the accident report details and we got into detail about it. You can hear it for the AEW recap, not this past, this past pay-per-view, the one before. But um, a lot of you may remember uh, a little over a month ago, Matt Travis, a uh, wrestler here in the Northeast, uh, very good friends with not only Private Party, but Santana Ortiz. He was riding his bike around 2 o'clock in the morning and he was uh, struck by a dump truck that had made an illegal turn and went on to, you know, a highway. And um, if you remember the details that we talked about that night, one thing that I told everyone, and you probably knew this already, especially in the United States, you probably have it everywhere as well, not just in my neck of the woods. But I remember clearly telling everyone there's fucking cameras on every corner. There's cameras in gas stations. There's cameras in front of stores. 
And if anybody's ever watched even stuff like uh, investigation, discovery, not necessarily forensic files, because forensic files is a little bit dated and technology as far as, you know, everybody having cameras and stuff like that isn't what it is now, but it, but it still was available at that time as well. Um, back then people use VCRs to tape, you know, camera surveillance and footage. But the one thing that we talked about that night is that police investigators, they're not only going to pull the footage from the bridge, especially in the era that we're in post nine 11, there's fucking cameras approaching the bridge, going off the bridge. There's cameras a block away, two blocks away, four blocks away. And you can't just, it's not like a TV show where everything gets resolved in two hours. You're not going to have fucking Joe Kenta, you know, Kenta, I, I don't know what the fuck his name is, I hate him. But you're not going to have Joe Kenta show up at a gas station and say, we would like to see your camera footage. Somebody was hit by a truck and we need to see if this vehicle drives past your establishment. Shit takes time. And for the loved ones of Matt Travis, his family, his friends, fellow wrestlers, fans. You know, we want the person caught and arrested yesterday. Unfortunately, in real life, it goes to the pace of the police. And we found out that yesterday, police did make an arrest. The name of the guy is Luke Luck Vu. L-U-C, first name, last name spelled V-U, 48 years old, and he was arrested. Right now, he is only charged with making an illegal turn. He was also charged for reckless driving, failure to yield, and failure to exercise due care. Now, I know a lot of places online were immediately saying um, maximum jail time for that is 30 days. What the fuck is that? The, you got to understand something, everybody. This goes back to what I said about Saudi Arabia. Please, if you want real life situations and news, don't go on WrestlingVirginPodcast.com. Don't go on middle-aged, single, and lonely wrestling fan news site.com. Stay away from every wrestling news site there is. Go on real news sites because they actually do research. They do investigating. And anybody that knows anything about legal and criminal, the DA, the district attorney, is only going to charge someone what they believe they have enough proof and enough evidence to get a conviction. They're not going to charge Luck Vu with vehicular homicide if they don't have enough proof. Yet. I stress the words, yet. This guy is telling police that he had no idea that he hit Matt Travis with his truck, making a U-turn. Now, as ridiculous as that may sound to a lot of people out there, look up the size of this vehicle this person was driving. All right? You can very well clip someone on a bike and not even think that you hit anything. You might have thought maybe you clipped a mirror 
or something like that. So I'm not defending this luck vu guy at all. I have no idea what is true and what is not true right now as far as defense goes. But, you know, if you're someone who gets arrested for hitting someone, leaving the scene, and leaving that person there to die, I don't know too many people in this world that are going to say, yeah, I did it. You know, I, I just, I was, I was afraid. I, I, I knew I was, my life was going to be ruined. So I just, you know, didn't say anything. No, more than likely they're going to say, I had no idea I hit somebody. When I heard that the person died, I never thought that it could have been my vehicle. So right now, police are doing more investigating. When they pull the camera footage, if it caught the accident, they're going to see if the guy hit his brakes. They're going to see a lot of things. They're going to see where the impact happened. We don't even know where Matt Travis was struck. We don't know if it was head-on. We don't know if it was a clip. We have, we have no idea. None of us. Not any news site. Not any fucking wrestling website. So right now, although those charges seem awfully light, the investigation has just started. This person is in custody not even 48 hours. So, you know, I know family, friends, fans are very emotional about it, and I don't blame them. This was not a loved one of mine. So it's very easy for me to say to everybody, patience, patience, let justice, justice will prevail. Let them do their, their job. They're not, you know, just lagging on this to piss people off. They're doing an investigation. They're going to charge this person with whatever they feel that they can actually convict him on and see where it goes. Now, one thing I will tell you is two things you might find interesting, may not affect you in any way. But the company that this guy worked for, the trucking company, it's a contracting company, DNA Contracting in Jersey, they have, I think, almost 60 trucks. This is not a you know, one-man operation that he fucking parked his dump truck, garbage truck, whatever it was, in the fucking garage and then hoped that nobody would see the damages. This was a big-time company. So the owners, the foremans, the management, they did not see anything wrong with the vehicle. He obviously didn't say anything to anybody. Otherwise, police would have been notified sooner. The second thing is, is that this Luck Vu is not the only driver for that company that has killed someone. I think it may have even been this year, but it was very recently where someone else working for the same company ran over someone. That person is facing a lot more serious time. I don't know what evidence. I didn't research that accident, but I did a little bit of research on this situation. So they have someone in custody, but just because they filed the charges that they did doesn't mean it's the be-all, end-all. You know, this guy's going to get away with virtually nothing, just a slap on the wrist. It's you. That's not true. Anybody that's saying that is either ignorant, naive, may be emotional because they may have an emotional tie to Matt Travis and, you know, I totally understand that or it's just people out there looking to get tweet fucked. So that is the update. I know a lot of you out there would want to have known the update. 
especially when we got into it. And let's be honest, we got into more details that day than anyone else out there, you know, but I hope that everybody just remains patient. Let the investigators do their job. They get all the evidence together and they have enough where they are confident this guy will be convicted for even more serious crimes. He will be charged with them. So I'm very happy that there is an arrest and let's wait until the next step on this. Something else I wanted to bring up as well. I've talked about it. I have uh, brought up repeatedly. I even was um, taking shots at Impact Wrestling every day. Roses are red, violets are blue. What the fuck is wrong with you? You know, it's about how they were treating Killer Cross. If I ever revealed the amount of money that was involved, people out there would have been like, are you serious, fucking Impact Wrestling? I mean, this, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, this was just Impact Wrestling being spiteful for a year plus because the revenue owed to Killer Cross goes back to last year. I saw all the legal papers. Killer Cross personally emailed it to me months ago. And he had confidence in me that I would not get into the specifics because I work in the insurance business. I deal with attorneys. I deal with you know professional people. And revealing some of the specifics could jeopardize all the work that his attorney was trying to do for him. But we found out today that Impact has officially released Killer Cross. So now Killer Cross, and yes, pun intended, is free to make an impact anywhere he damn well pleases. Will he show up in NXT? Will he show up in AEW? I have no idea. I've already said before, I think that he would be a better fit in AEW, in my opinion, because I think WWE would totally tweak his character. I don't think he would be killer, a killer in NXT. Yes, you know, Scarlett Bodo is in NXT right now as well. But I think AEW right now, I think could really use someone like Killer Cross because I am still a big fan of AEW. But something that I said about two months ago, I'm not going to deny it. As each week goes on, it sinks in more and more and more. AEW feels like Everybody who works behind the scenes in the company invest more time and investment in each other than actual people on the outside. John Moxley does not work in the offices. John Moxley has this aura of himself in AEW is that he's an outsider. And that works. That absolutely works. It's perfect for him. But everybody else feels that many steps down. The Young Bucks, they have been killing it in the ring since AEW debuted, way before that, obviously, but I'm saying since AEW debuted. Sure, their matches are like video games, and if you go into their matches thinking of that, you accept it a little bit more. Yes, some of it ends up being really, really stupid, like you know what happened last week with Ortiz with the chair. And, you know, remember, when I do these shows on Wednesday, I do it literally five minutes after the shows go off the air. So I had no idea 
that the spot with Ortiz would blow up as much as it did on the internet. But let's be honest. Diehard, huge, radical AEW fans that are listening right now. When the Young Bucks were losing matches for the last couple of months on TV, when they were the opening match on the shows, oh, and I'm going to have some fun in a moment about opening matches, commercial-free as well. But did you ever lose that feeling that the Young Bucks were not in the tag title picture? It almost felt from two months ago, because I remember saying this eight or nine weeks ago, that the Young Bucks right now, they're not going to get tag team gold. You know, they're not going to fight for the titles. They're going to give this aura that it's an even playing field and they're focusing on the, you know, the ratings, even though Tony Schiavone keeps saying game streaks. And I give him a pass because he does uh, Atlanta sports. I don't know if anybody picked up on that. You know, the, the Lucha Brothers have a three-game winning streak. It's because he's involved with other sports. I give Tony Schiavone a pass on that, even though he did it a couple of times tonight. But the Young Bucks, it's it's almost like what's going on with Roman Reigns in WWE. You know that Roman Reigns never lost his main event status, that they were just going to take time, you know, wait, and when it gets closer to WrestleMania, that's when they blow their load. Now, because AEW's on TV a little bit more, now slowly they're blowing their load with the Young Bucks. They did not win the tag titles tonight, but they, without a doubt, are the focus of the AEW tag team division. <clears throat> they're the ones with the most extravagant intros. They're the ones that always come out when somebody's attacked. They are the focus. And as long as fans cheer the fuck out of the Young Bucks, that should be the case. They should be the focus of it. But... What's happening every week, it feels like Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, Cody, you know, and a few others, and everybody else. And Brandy. I mean, Brandy, getting multiple segments, you know, just taking her shoe and throwing it in the face of Chris Statlander. And, you know, I mean, it feels like the people running the show are more focused of developing their, each other's, you know, characters on TV. And a, a lot of others feel so much lower. And, 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 and. This is something I've said in the past as well. A lot of things feel rushed. You're not even on TV for three months, and they already did a storyline where Cody cannot fight for the title anymore. All right? They are burning through feuds, like nothing. Just think about the butcher and the bookkeeper and the, the, the bunny, the blade, the baldy bookkeeper, the baldy Braxton, you know, whatever. Just think about that. Two weeks ago, they're cutting a piece of the ring and they're attacking the fuck out of Cody, which that night I had said that was all designed just so Cody would be on TV and storyline taken out so he wouldn't interfere in MJF's match for the ring. They had commercials the following of the bunny, the bunny saying, we're going to cut the head off the snake of AEW. The bunny cut the head, Cody, the snake. Last week, Cody finally gets his hands on the, the, the behemoth and the butcher, the butcher and the baldy. And what's the first thing he does? A collar and elbow tie-up. What's the second thing he does? A drop kick. This week, oh, 
let me try to get a, a leg takedown. Let me grab his waist. Those are the first two fucking things. You That's what you do to someone who's trying to cut your head off. And we're one week in and the, the blimp and the babe and the baldy, they lost. They already lost. Why? Because Darby Allen, you know, like it's almost like E.T., you know, sticks his hand out, you know, touch fingers. Cody's frustrated outside the ring. So Darby Allen comes out and picks him up. Well, what was the vignette online? Cody, I want a rematch. If we beat the Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny, then you give me that rematch. So you knew that this was going to be the case. I thought, in all seriousness, I thought the Butcher and the Blade did fine last week. I think... You have to start developing people, but you cannot put them on fucking TV as if they have been around and their household names. Case in point, the Dark Order. You know, 20 some odd years ago, we had the New World Order. Remember? New, 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 new World Order. So what is this? The Dark Order. The Dark Order. For every one person online that says, yo, man, I'm into this dark order stuff. I think it's fucking great. There's about 30 people that are saying, this is fucking terrible. Jeepers creepers, you're putting me to fucking sleepers. That was terrible to close out the show. On NXT, you got Ripley, believe it or not, winning the women's title on NXT. And you have a bunch of guys who look like podcasters with bellies and this and that. Oh, but wait, Don Tony, we got two brand new members of, of Dark Order tonight. You know, you know them, Alex Reynolds and Jonathan Silver. What the fuck cares right now about those two? They're not household names yet. You don't go off the air with all these fucking, you know, guys in masks and Jonathan Silver and Alex Reynolds, and they're standing over all the people that work in the, the back, and this is the feud? You can't keep doing that, assuming that their household names, oh, the, 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 the Dark Order. You know, everybody knows who they are. Just, be just because you did great, cool vignettes doesn't mean that they're fucking over yet. The, 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 the Dark Order. Dark order. You think I'm exaggerating? Do it, see for yourselves. AEW. I'm a big fan. Go on social media. I know social media is the home for bitch boys. Grown ass adults acting like 15 year olds, bitching about everything. But keep in mind, AEW fans are, for the most part, hardcore AEW fans. And your hardcore AEW fans, I'd say every 7 out of 10 are saying this Dark Order stuff, they're not feeling it. They ain't in that level. And I know what some of you are going to say. Well, how are they ever going to be on that level if you don't put them in that spot? You don't fucking blow your load with 15 people. And you got Jim Ross saying, look at the big guy. Hey, did you see the sign of that guy? A 
unless we find out later it's fucking Lord Humongous under the fucking mask or Kevin Nash or somebody famous that they haven't unmasked yet, the guy unmasked, oh my God, it's John Smith. John Smith. Oh my God. Perry Benz. The fuck cares? There's nobody in the dark order that over yet. And I'm sorry, I just thought that was a, this is starting to show that the roster is is a lot thinner than people uh, perceived. And what are we going to get next? Oh, the Dark Order is going to fight the Young Bucks and Cody and Kevin and Kuz and Kenny and Dickie and Donnie. Fuck cares? Do I care if the Dark Order, do I care if the Dark Order fucking fell off a cliff right now? You know, I, sorry, not into it yet. Get over first, then you have fucking people turn. Oh my God, Alex Reynolds, he joined the Dark Order. Anyway, AEW tonight, Corpus Christi. Very close to Me- Mexico. Expected the Lucha Brothers are tremendously over with the fans. Um, a lot of people are speculating that Hangman Page may end up turning heel. I don't think it has happened yet, even though we had a little bit of a faux pas towards the end of the match today. Uh, the match was a lot of fun. Now, I want to mention this. If you listen to my show on a regular basis, this is what I love about doing this for all of you. You should have picked up on this last week. A lot of goofs online really made themselves look stupid. What happened last week? NXT announces that Finn Balor and Adam Cole are going to fight commercial free. Okay, cool. All right. They get offered commercial free. Fine. So AEW announces that their opening match is going to be the Lucha Brothers versus Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. AEW has announced opening matches in the past. AEW mentions to everyone that they're going to be commercial free. I can't tell you how many goofs and jokes and podcasters who have been around for a very long time who ripped on AEW and said, ha-ha, ha-ha, see, oh, it's not a war, but you see, you had to do... What NXT did, NXT announced commercial free. So AEW had to mention commercial free. <laughs> Idiots. What did I say on this show about a month and a half, two months ago? Anybody notice that AEW's opening matches are always commercial free? They've always been commercial free. They've always been commercial free. So if anything, it was NXT who decided to up it a notch to try to match AEW. It wasn't the opposite. People were accusing AEW of NXT announces commercial free. Now they have to do it because they're afraid NXT is catching them. Idiots. It's the opposite, morons. But you see, you're just too busy listening to each other's podcast. You're just too busy tweet fucking each other. You're just too busy trying to get likes and you don't pay attention to the little particulars. They've always been commercial free. Fools. So anyway, 
We have the Lucha Brothers versus Kenny Omega and Hangman Page open up AEW. Match was excellent. Went 18 fucking minutes. On the NXT side, we had Adam Cole versus Finn Balor for the NXT heavyweight title. That match was fucking phenomenal as well. Now, if anybody happens to watch both shows side by side, then you noticed that the big difference between NXT and AEW's opening matches tonight was the fact that NXT's match with Finn Balor and Adam Cole started out slow. Chain wrestling, headlocks, takedowns. Adam Cole and Finn Balor went three minutes less than AEW. I'm not saying one was better than the other, but take note that Adam Cole and Finn Balor started slow and built up to the finish that it got. AEW started out high-flying, power move, flippy, flippy, power move. So whether you watch the first minute of AEW's opener or the last minute of AEW's opener, they both look the same. There are a lot of people out there that don't want the more boring chain wrestling, headlock, leg takedown. You know, it's almost like it's almost like people that want to get laid, but they don't want to be bothered with foreplay. They just want to whip, they just want to unzip their pants, whip it out, fucking blow their load in two minutes, and then go fucking make, you know, Doritos or fucking nachos. You know, some people don't want the 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes of what leads up to it. They just want to get in, get out, done. So the opener for each show tonight really showed the difference between the two shows because a lot of NXT's matches always start, you know, if, if slow is even the right way to put it. But we had the Lucha Brothers defeat Adam Hangman Page and Kenny Omega today. Um... You know, I'll tell you something else, and I'm not trying to be critical here, but, you know, I know Chris Jericho, and we actually have some audio right now. Chris Jericho had a locker room meeting with the wrestlers, and I'll let him explain why they had the meeting, but there's something else that is going on that needs to be addressed also, and it's interesting because the Lucha Brothers are involved with it again. So, you know, I'm sorry for jumping back and forth, but, you know, I think you probably would enjoy it a little bit more because I don't want to, I will never ever do just straight up recap shows. You know, a lot of goofs do that. You know, to me, that's lazy. Of course, we want to talk about and recap what went on, but I'm not going to sit here and go, ain't all elite wrestling tonight from Corpus Christi, Texas. Attendance, 11,142. Well, if you saw the photos, 2,142. Dark match tonight. Sammy Guevara versus Brandon Cutler. Referee, Mike, blah, 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 blah. I don't do that. But anyway, Chris Jericho was on Conan's, was it Keeping It 100 podcast? And uh, Disco Inferno was on there as well. And... You know, Disco Inferno had asked Chris Jericho a question. Uh, Disco Inferno has a couple of things that he doesn't like about wrestling of today. And he wanted Chris Jericho to tell us what he has a pet peeve about with wrestling today. And during the conversation, it's only a couple of minutes, 
But during the conversation, Chris Jericho reveals that he recently had a locker room meeting with the AEW wrestlers. Now, I want you to hear it because I think you'll find it very interesting. It shows even more how important Chris Jericho is. Chris Jericho is the MVP of AEW. I, I know a lot of you out there feel that, you know, he's gaining a little weight and might be a little softer. The motherfucker is the MVP of AEW, not just in front of the camera, but behind the scenes. And listen to what he has to say about the current roster. And then I'll tell you about something tonight that I honestly think Chris Jericho needs to address the AEW roster about. You come from a style of wrestling, and you like to have your type of match. You like to work the way you type, you, you do. And you see, like, wrestling today, and you see a lot of the, the stuff the guys are doing, right? I know. I'm going to give you I'm gonna give you mine, and I want to know what yours are. I know you have to have some pet peeves about some of the work today, right? These are mine. And I t- tell me if, there's, if, if, if you feel the same way. The no-selling the super kicks, the no-selling the kicks to the head is getting too prevalent. When people are shooting a guy in and throwing terrible-looking missed clotheslines, and there's just way too many dive outside the ring where guys are just standing there waiting to catch a guy on collectively over a course of a two- to three-hour wrestling show. There's just way too many. Those are my top three pet peeves. What are your pet peeves? Well, I, I learned this actually when I went back in 2016, and I started working with Kevin Owens and Seth and, and Sammy and uh, you know, all those guys. Um, the, the new trend at the time was repeat moves. I mean, Seth still does it quite a bit. He'll do one tope and then get back in the ring, do another tope and then get back in the ring, another, another tope. When I came through the system back back in the day, that was that was ludicrous. So I learned something there that the style is changing to where it's okay to do the walls of Jericho two or three times in a match or hit two or three color breakers if it fits. Now, to answer your question, the business always m- mutates and morphs and evolves. It's the way it is now. So other things that bother me, yes. Um, other things that I realize that people like that bother me and I just have to go along with it because it's the way the business is, yes. Um, and also too, there's a lot of stuff that bothers me that I can't control because I'm not in the match. Now, when I can't control that is when those guys work with me. Right. We have had, I, I called a team meeting. I'll tell you one right now, the lack of tag and the lack of just normal tag team wrestling psychology drove me nuts to the point where that was one of the big knocks against our company in about week three or four, if you remember. Now, yeah. Conan will appreciate this. They started making excuses for the Lucha Brothers because I'll be honest with you, tagging out, they're lazy. They don't care. They just walk in and out whenever they want, uh, do whatever they want, and it's not right. It's not how you do it. And they would make up excuses where they would say, oh, it's Lucha Libre style. Huh, that's funny because I worked in Mexico for two years, and guess how you make a tag in a Lucha Libre match? You stand in the corner and you wait for a guy to touch you and you walk in. That's Lucha Libre rules, a.k.a. tag team rules. So I called a, a, a meeting with the whole crew, crew and said, you know, you're burying the refs. Uh, if you don't have any rules, you don't get any heat. And it's killing our show because our honeymoon period is over and now people are watching us and they're being confused by the lack of rules. Phoenix and Penta are amazing. They blow my mind every week. And once we had a couple talks with them, guess what they started doing? They started tagging. Because like you said, maybe they did just were working at that. Maybe it was a habit or maybe nobody told them. You've got a whole locker room of guys who have basically just worked indies their whole careers. Not that I'm not putting the Lucha Brothers in there, but they don't know little things. Like, like, I've told guys, change your gear. Your gear looks, your gear looks bushly. They come back with new gear. And I said, I can't believe how much better this is. Nobody's ever told them that stuff before. So once we right. told the guys, 
to, to concentrate more on tagging in and out. They've been doing it, especially the Lucha Brothers as well. So everyone's me, learning together about what we're looking for in this company. One of the main things that I learn nowadays, and we take this for granted because we already know it, is we assume a lot of, and I'm not saying they don't know shit, but we just assume that like yes. a lot of wrestlers already know what they should do. And sometimes right. when you talk to them, you're like, bro, nobody told you this before? Yeah. How long have you yeah. been in the fucking business? Let me get and you, so you have to, you have to find you. You and me can't assume anymore that younger guys know what they're doing. You have to sometimes Chris. go out and, and ask them. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Chris, do you remember the right. story? Listen, Chris, listen to this. Remember when you guys came for? Uh, it was either Smack. It was a SmackDown at the. Um, at the Thomas and Mack Center before they started doing T-Mobile, uh, six or seven years ago. Yeah. And I had come backstage. I had my Samoan friend I worked with and his kids. We came backstage for the show, right? And you, the, we were sitting there waiting. Like, there was something going on. You guys were having a meeting. And, like, you came back and, like, you said, hey, what's going on? I was like, oh, we just did And, like, I, I hadn't seen you in a while, right? And you were telling me, he's yeah. like, this is the WWF or WWE. You said, we just had a meeting. I was like, about what? He goes, we had to teach this, these guys how to find the red light, like how to find the hard camera. Right. Like you're talking yeah. to your main roster crew on WWE and explaining them stuff that like was just rudimentary for us back in like the, you know back in WCW. It's like like me, you, Coney, and Bagwell and stuff. We always even made a joke about how finding the hard camera is so important. Remember, like, like the games we used to play and stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and you literally had a generation of wrestlers and of all these guys that nobody had told them this. And I'm like, I, I find no, that... And, 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 and we've had... We've had we had to have the, that same uh, conversation with the guys in the first couple weeks of our TV because, once again, how much live TV have these guys done? Zero. Not a lot. Mostly zero. You know, not not a lot. But I can remember... But, but, but the thing is, guys guys need to hear and, and probably very much appreciate it because I can remember um, going to WWE in 1999 and not knowing what bumping and feeding was. That sounds ridiculous when you think about it now, but nobody did that in WCW, and nobody told me about it. I, I, I never did the bump and feed if someone makes a hot tag. I just never did. I, no one told me. So right. there's a lot of stuff that guys for, that have been working for years and years and years just don't know. Like you mentioned, with Lucha, uh, with uh, Penta and Phoenix, maybe nobody told them that you got a tag here. This is what we want. And guess what? They're doing it. And you just got to, that's my thing with wrestling that I always hated. Uh, when guys would go behind your back, oh man, his punches are the shits. He throws right. terrible punches. He throws terrible punches. And everybody in the company knew you threw terrible punches, except for you, because no one right. told you. Right. Uh, go behind your back. We don't do that. If there's something that I don't like, and vice versa, please tell me, because it needs to change in the best possible ways. Not being an asshole, everything else you're doing is great, but this needs to change. Right. And, and when you tell somebody that's a true professional that, they'll take it to heart and do better. Now, what they need to do is they need to have another meeting. Because as great as the Lucha Brothers versus Hangman Page and Kenny Omega was tonight, I invite anybody out there, even if you watched NXT tonight and did not watch AEW yet, focus on something that I'm saying now. And it's very, very important. Are there any rules in the tag matches? Look at all of the double teamings. Look at all the crazy shit going outside the ring. And the referee does nothing. And this happens over, was the Young Bucks versus SCU tonight, was that no DQ? You see all the extra crazy shit going on, three quarters of it, people should be disqualified for. And that's something that they really need to 
really, you know, just tighten up because it just feels like, you know, the rules are only enforced whenever they feel like it. And that's sloppy. And if I notice it, and a lot of you notice it, and you can't get that disbelief suspended, that's the challenge. That's the challenge. If you're having a match and it's no DQ, if everybody's doing whatever the fuck they want anyway, then a no DQ match would mean nothing. And the only way it would mean something is if you have Kenny Omega and John Moxley going through fucking stunt barbed wire, fucking crazy fucking shit. That's the only way it feels important. I mean, a lot of the shit going on, rules are being broken and the referees are doing nothing about it. It's a big problem that AEW has. That's lazy. That's lazy. That's like if you're playing um, a football video game and you can't figure out how to beat the other team. So what do you do? You put in a couple of crack codes. What was that thing that we used to have like 20 years ago? What was it for? Nintendo or Xbox, you could connect it to the game and then you could manipulate it where, you know, Game Genie. Yes, Sean Kenter. Thank you, Sean and Mario and everybody else. Game Genie. That's what seems to be happening a lot on TV with AEW. Game Genie. All right, we want to have this kick-ass match, but wait, it's not an ODQ. Oh, we'll just throw a Game Genie in there, and then we can do whatever the fuck we want. And just as long as everybody loves what they see, nobody will stop to think, hey, wait a minute, I won this football game on Nintendo 58-7, to but wait, I, I every play I had was a first down, even though I only gained three yards rushing. First down! First down! That's the challenge. You know, rules have to mean something. If rules don't mean anything, then what the fuck are the referees being in there for? So, yeah, Ben from G-Town says he never heard of Game Genie or Game Shark. Yeah, well, I'm revealing my age a little bit. I guarantee there's a lot of people listening that we used to fucking get the Game Genies and get those those magazines that were, oh, the cheat codes. Oh, those are the good old days. So, anyway, after the match is over, Pack is backstage and I had the um, Sean Spears, Tully Blanchard flashback. Pack is tormenting Kenny Omega, who is in the middle of the ring. And he, he opens up a locker room, and we see the back of Michael Nakazawa. And he's got headphones on, so he doesn't even know that Pack just opened up his locker room. And, you know, all Pack does is close the door. And it's almost like the repeat of Sean Spears when they taped Tully Blanchard last week. Kenny Omega's in the ring, and he's like, No! No! And he's running through the crowd and everything. I'll save you, Nakazawa! Michael! Michael! No! He's a fucking wrestler. In suspension of disbelief, maybe Nakazawa kicked Pac's ass. Oh, man, I was I just didn't. And then they go to commercial break, and on the split screen, we see Omega walking around the back. Omega gets attacked by, you know, the, the Lucha Brothers again. No, uh, Paige, stop. Uh, you know, AEW had some good stuff tonight, no doubt. There was a couple of things, man. I just left me scratching my head. Anyway, oh, during the same commercial break, we see uh, Darby Allen riding the skateboard, so we know that the next match is going to be Cody and Darby Allen versus the Butcher and the Blade. It was funny because during the match, JR 
kept calling uh, the blade the butcher. No, the butcher, the blade. And um, he's like, oh, I, I should have realized, you know, Blade's got Blade on his ass. And Tony Schiavone's like, just read the S, JR. Read the S, and you'll know who's who. It was pretty fucking funny. But, um, you know, the match was fine. I disagree with the butcher and the Blade losing already. Um, if you're going to lose maybe a DQ or maybe some type of a, a fuck-up or something, but, you know... Th- these guys are only there for two weeks. And yes, we know Braxton Sutter before, uh, but, and yeah, you knew maybe some people in the Northeast were familiar with these guys from upstate New York, but for casual wrestling fans, they know virtually nothing about them. Allie doing her best impersonation of Stacy Keebler, which I said the night that, you know, she came out from under the ring. Um, and she's cute to look at, but, you know, two weeks ago, they cut, they want to cut the head off the snake, and two weeks later, they're losing. And it's like, I to me, I, I'm going to just say it. I wonder if the Butcher and the Blade are even going to be in AEW for the long haul. Because after tonight, of course, they could get their wins back, and they probably will. But it almost felt like, okay, you know, we already blew through that storyline. So now what happens next? MJF, you know, really, you know, not anywhere to be found. I just, like I said, some of these storylines, they are blowing through way too fast, way too fast. I don't know. Anyway, next we have uh, Jungle Jack Perry taking on Chris Jericho. Oh, actually, you know what? Before that, my mistake, I almost forgot because it only lasted 20 seconds. Awesome Kong beats Miranda Ali's uh, about 20 seconds after the match is over. Awesome Kong takes a little piece of her reddish locks and um, Nightmare Collective walk off. And, uh, you know, they have the new member. They're kind of Rhea Ripley. Is that a little bit exaggerating? Kind of looks a little bit similar, you know, just with a shaved head. But anyway... After that match is over, we have a sit-down interview with Jim Ross and, and Jungle Boy. Uh, Jungle Boy talking about, you know, how you know he's he's nervous, but, you know, it's the heavyweight champion. His father would be proud and this and that. It was a great interview. Even more the reason why AEW should have milked this for two extra weeks. Should have did the Rocky storyline. It, it was just such a perfect storyline. Handed to them. But... As we said since last week, they blew it. They blew it. Uh, Brandy Rhodes, you know, having the segment with Awesome Kong. Brandy Rhodes coming out later. But first, Chris Jericho versus Jungle Boy. The story being told in this match is if Jungle Boy could last 10 minutes. Of course, they were going to have, you know, some uh, interference to kill a little bit of the time. Jake Hager. My God, Jake Hager landed a forearm to Marco's stunt. Out, dead, back, what to the back. Luchasaurus carried him in the back. There was one part that was a little bit awkward. I don't know if anybody saw it. When Luchasaurus picked up Marco's stunt to bring him to the back, like Jericho went outside the ring, and they were standing, like, right near each other. And, you know, they didn't even, like, ignore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just as if it kind of reminded me of Vladimir Kozlov in the Elimination Chamber. Remember what I used to talk about? 
But, you know, he went 10 minutes. Match told a great story. I mean, Jungle Boy, you know, was getting his butt kicked. He would land some surprise moves here and there. Um, it did what it needed to do. You know, the, the last 75 seconds was a little bit much. I mean, at one point, Jungle Boy hit the uh, line. Um, what did he hit? The, um, the, what move did he do off the, the middle rope? The line tamer, I believe it was. I don't know if, I, I honestly don't remember. I know one or two people in WWE did that move to Jericho in the past. I don't know if one of them was Shawn Michaels or not, but uh, Jungle Boy doing some of Chris Jericho's moves, which got a pop from the crowd. The crowd was really into Jungle Boy, and it definitely got him a little bit more over with the fans, no doubt. Um, because he put the move on Jericho, uh, on Jungle Boy so early, 75 seconds is an awful long time, trust me. I thought that he was going to tap out with maybe 10 seconds left, five seconds left, that the pain was just too excruciating. Um, but I just, you know, although I enjoyed the match, it told a great story. Story could have been told even better. But the idea that Jericho uses that move in other AEW matches and gets a win in a matter of five seconds, but yet this small guy you know, is able to withstand 75 seconds of a heavyweight champion that much bigger than him. It's a little bit much, but, 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 but in defense, this goes back to what I said about the Young Bucks and video game matches. There's a lot of fans that don't want to dissect wrestling that far. You know, if their guy that they like, you know, puts on a great match and they're happy with it, it's almost like the Joey Ryan dick spots. I can't stand those spots. The idea that a wrestler would get suplexed because of a dick, it just, I, I'm sorry. And I could go for comedy, you know, every night of the week. To me, there's got, there has to be some logic somewhere. Ain't no voodoo dick. You know what I mean? This ain't no fucking, you know, Papa Dicko that fucking has superpowers like that. It's just, to me, it's a little bit much. I understand some people find it funny. It's fine. You go home laughing and you had a great time. They did their job. You have to know the audience that you're performing for. And the AEW audience is a little bit different than the WWE audience. Plain and simple. That's what a lot of people online don't seem to understand when they bitch and they complain repeatedly. They're looking. You know, what it, you know what's a great way to compare this? Um, what was the football league? Not, not XFL. What was the football league where their arena football? A for seriously, for all of you out there that get really annoyed at podcasters and websites. And if you fans get under your skin and you want to, you know, do this to them as well, by all means. But, you know, like I, I will keep saying until, you know, I'm done podcasting. I will never understand grown-ass adults who are wrestling fans but feel that if they despise or can't stand something that, you know, they can't avoid it. Like, I, I, you know what's funny? You don't see a lot of them covering NWA. You don't see them covering Impact. You don't see them covering Ring of Honor. 
But for some reason, they have to name drop AEW even though they can't stand it. Those people are what NFL fans are towards arena football. You take an NFL fan that's a diehard NFL fan, and then you show them again, you take them to an arena football game, and what will happen? They'll bitch, they'll complain, they'll bitch, this sucks, this is stupid, why did this happen? You know, the football spots are almost like Young Bucks matches. Like, what the fuck is up with these rules? Bitch, 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 bitch. You can't look at an arena football game like the NFL. Just like you can't, there, there is no one palette. AEW is a little bit different. And these people can't get it through their heads that the the form of entertainment that they're doing at the end the the plans you know the the skeleton is the same but they've gone a little bit different direction they don't take things as seriously obviously they can't get the rules situation in check like i said before because look at these moves look at these matches look at the match tonight at scu versus the young bucks it was a great match there was nothing wrong with it but three quarters in a match you got two wrestlers, the same team in the ring, and they're both doing spots, and they're diving outside the ring, and the referee can't fucking get any of them to hold the ring rope. Let's see Young Bucks have a match where one of the two hold the ring rope, 80% in a match. You see how that match goes. So it's got to be one or the other. If you're going to give in to lack of rules, I am perfectly fine with it. Hell, I was a diehard, hardcore, hardcore fan of ECW. We we accepted the lack of rules. And there was no issues with it. You can't have it both ways. And I know Jericho's trying, but like he said, the honeymoon period is over. And every week that goes by that they don't get this stuff in check it becomes the norm more and more and more and more and more. They really have to take control. They really have to take control. But Jungle Boy, you know, um, survive. And here's another thing. Since when is Justin Roberts the AEW commissioner? Jericho demands five more minutes and Justin Roberts has the powers to restart the match? Jesus, that's fucking great. Commissioner Roberts. I mean, he, he's the commissioner. He he has the authority to start the match. And then they start the match. Here's another thing I had a problem with tonight. They start the match. Then Jericho leaves. So, logic. Wouldn't, didn't Jungle Boy win by countout? When you have to have Excalibur and Shivani and Jim Ross, 30 minutes later, 40 minutes later, have to tell the fans... Oh, no, no, he, he didn't win by countout. Um, that remaining five minutes really was not official. Even though the bell rang, even though Justin Roberts announced it, even though the referee was doing a count, come on, man. What, what, is Tony Khan busy posing with fucking Orange Cassidy somewhere? You know, did he get caught, like, changing outfits, trying to dress up like another wrestler? Maybe he was trying to dress up like Brandy in the back of something. Somebody needs to fucking step up here. That's why I said repeatedly, they need a fucking commissioner. They need a fucking commissioner. They need someone that hands down the rules. And the reason why they have no commissioner is because they can't figure out how to keep these matches in check without breaking all the rules like this. How great would a Young Bucks match be? How great would the opening match have been? 
if rules would have been enforced. So again, if they want to have no rules, I'm fine with it. But please be a little bit more clear and concise. Much appreciated, especially since we're investing a lot of time and energy. You know, I'll never get acknowledged from them. I don't really care. I do this for all of you out there. We have fucking the biggest audience. I mean, maybe I don't get tweet fucked like of other like a whole bunch of other people out there, but my tweet fucking is by the numbers, by how many people actually tune into our shows every week. That's my tweet fucking. And, you know, we tweet fuck outside of Twitter. We all, we all do. I mean, I care about all of you and nobody else. But if they think that because they don't acknowledge my show, if they think because they don't acknowledge my listeners, my friends, all of you, they think that that none of us count. You know, they could do these interviews where every fan counts this and that, but they only will spend their time and acknowledge the people who, you know, they can give hand jobs to and get hand jobs back and the hands are clean. We're toxic. We're toxic. I can't give them a hand job. They would never take a hand job from me because of all the shit that we say that's totally out of bounds. My hands are filled with acid. Who wants a hand job with a guy that has acid in his hands? So let them blow their loads. Let them blow their loads. I mean, I talk to people privately, and I understand the deal. I'm cool with it. I, I'm cool with it. I'm black like that. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, uh, I got to give a shout-out to, I can't remember who it was last week, that picked up on my, uh, you know, my retro music reference. I might do that more often since, you know, the whole theme of this show is supposed to be like a little bit of retro 70s. Dino might. So anyway, Chris Statlander versus Britt Baker. Once again, Rush, Rush. Wasn't that a Paul Abdul song? Chris Statlander is going to be a star. She is great. I have no problem with her being the number one contender. Where I do have a problem is something that I told you a couple of months ago I thought was stupid. The ranking system. You got Sheeta, the number one contender, for week and week and week and week and week. You had Pac, number one contender, week, 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 week. Then Chris Statlander has two singles matches, and she's fighting for the number one contendership. I don't have a problem with her being number one contender. But what does that say for week after week after week after week after week after week after week that all these other people are number one, number two, number two, number one, number one, number two. Oh, she debuts. She's so awesome. Let's just put her right in the number one contenders. It's not helping these ranking systems. It's really ripping it apart, to be honest with you. So Chris Statlander fighting Riho for the AEW women's title. No problems at all. Tighten up this ranking thing system, this rating system, because it's just very, very careless. Not only that, you cannot put someone who only has two matches as a number two contender where other people have had seven, eight, nine matches. You know, if you're going to try to make it like sports, anybody that follows sports know exactly what I'm going to say. In Major League Baseball, you have to have a certain number of at-bats in order to qualify for a batting title, a home run title, stolen base title, whatever it is. 
In football, you have to have a certain number of plays or games or whatever it is. In basketball, whatever you can't just because someone is one and zero or two and zero. I mean, if you want to have someone fight a number one contenders match, cool. But the idea that Chris Statlander was ranked number two when she only had two singles matches, yeah, I, I, right. Wins and losses supposed to matter, right? So you can, again. This is lazy. Can't have it both ways. But Chris Statlander, you know, definite star. She beats Britt Baker this week. I do not believe Britt Baker is being de-pushed because of her showing up at NXT, you know, being concerned about Adam Cole. There's nothing to do with that. They even poked fun at it. It's done. It's dead. We all moved on. So after Chris Statlander wins a match, once again... We got Brandy Rhodes coming out. First, she insults Tony Schiavone because the mic wasn't working. Then she's asking uh, Chris Statlander if she's joining the fucking Nightmare Collective. And uh, she says no. So, you know, Rhea Ripley, wannabe, Melanie Cruz. And I'm joking about that because Melanie Cruz actually is talented. Uh, if you remember, we, our show, all of us, we figured out it was Melanie Cruz before anyone else did. But they decide, you know... Uh, Brandy Rhodes is going to blindside uh, Chris Statlander with the spike of a heel. Uh, Chris Statlander bleeding profusely because the tip of a of a shoe could kill somebody. And she, you know, the big red X is on the screen. My God, get a towel. She's bleeding profusely. My, what a disgust. No, she's just holding her head. There was no blood. But again, why are we getting Brandy Rhodes again? You know, you know why? I'll tell you why. They have done zero in character development for Rio. You know what the character development was? She was partially trained by Kenny Omega, and she's a twig. That's the character development. Just remember all of the push that they did for Nyla Rose, and then you know they had to pull that momentum back for obvious reasons. What the fuck have they done about Rio and character development? They've done nothing. They should show her at ringside little concern because she's got to fight Statlander. There's your character development. So since they did no development for Rio, and it would look pretty dumb, let's be honest, and I have been a supporter of Rio. Anybody listen to Breakfast Soup knows. Mish and I have some pretty heated debates about Rio. He can't get behind that suspension of disbelief. I can a little bit. But could you imagine if Statlander and Rio had like a, a, a face-off or a stare down with each other? I mean, it, it probably would look a little comical. So now we got Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard in the back. They're looking for a tag partner for Sean Spears once again. I, I would, wouldn't be surprised if they went with Joey Janela. It's just a wild idea, you know, just thinking. But what happened to Sean Spears' contact lenses? What happened to him looking like a fucking freak? Now he looks like a guy that, that was going to a club tonight after AEW went off the air. I mean, he look, he's an attractive guy, even though I eat my M&M's plain without peanuts. But, you know, come on. The whole thing about him being the chairman, sick, twisted, to me, he just looked like a bouncer tonight. I don't know. Anyway, main event, as I already said, SCU retains their tag titles, defeating the Young Bucks. 
I know a lot of people are a little were disappointed with the outcome of the match, thinking the Young Bucks would close out 2019 as the tag champions. That will happen soon enough. Um, you know, even though the the honeymoon period is over, to AEW they're still trying to build others. But the problem is, is they can't maintain it. I mean, great example, Private Party. Do you feel that Private Party has developed week after week after week on TV? You see them, you see them on dark. You don't see them at all. You see them, you see them on dark. You don't see them at all. They do that with a lot of people. Sonny Kiss makes a cameo. Boom, gone. You have others make a cameo. Boom, gone. What happened? In, yeah. And and how, how do you try to clear it up? The only person that they sort of made sense with that was Nyla Rose. She's suspended for the rest of the year because of what she did. Okay. Where are the suspensions for the, the, the Dark Order or other people that make, you know, unethical decisions where's the suspension of brandy Rhodes for fucking ripping the eye out of fucking chris statlander with the heel of her shoe where's the suspensions consistency guys consistency stop running your promotion like you have a game genie plugged in yeah we gotta start trending that everybody you know last week i said we gotta really start pushing jungle um jungle uh jack perry Let's start trending AEW's got to unplug that Gabe Genie and actually try to keep things a little more organized and in check. Because they do have great spots. And I enjoyed the show today, but there's a lot of little things that are very, very annoying. And it's not a honeymoon or a break-in period. That's a lack of, you know, you know, diverse individuals in the back that aren't just buddies with each other. Yeah, they're all looking out for each other, but you need to have some other people in there. I don't know. I'm a little. I'm getting a little bit concerned. A little bit concerned, especially this dark order. I just can't picture them popping any type of rating. If they announce on the next show that the dark order is in the main event. I would love to see NXT fucking put on, uh, I don't know, Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump in a wrestling match like they did a couple of times on Raw. Put that on NXT. And then let's find out on TV that, you know, the fake Donald Trump beat the fake Hillary on NXT and they were going against the Dark Order. That's me doing the They didn't do that. Mary, you're a little late to the game. I said... 20 some odd years ago, we had the New World Order, and it was new, 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 new World Order. So now, the way I feel about these guys, it's the, 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 the Dark Order. The, the, the Dark Order. Just be having, just mean, just because you have great vignettes doesn't mean that they're fucking over in a ring. Ugh. I still don't understand why Jungle Boy didn't win by count out tonight, but whatever. Anyway couple of tidbits of news um for those that are interested we do have uh and uh aew tickets for revolution going on sale this friday 10 a.m eastern 9 a.m central there is a pre-show pre-sale code for anybody that wants to pre-sale 
That actually the pre-sale starts at 10 a.m. Friday. If you're interested in buying tickets, whether you're going to go and hang out with us, because remember, I'm going. Wrestling Soup is going. So yours truly in Wrestling Soup will be at AEW Revolution. We'll also be at C2E2 that weekend. I already got my plane done. I already got my hotel done. And I'm working on WrestleMania as we speak. And uh, there's three other events inside the United States that we're starting to look into as well. I don't want to blow it up yet because we don't know uh, which members of Wrestling Soup are going to be able to go. But uh, yours truly, Mish, Joey Numbers, Drapes, and a few others, we're all going to, uh, to C2E2. And uh, I'm pretty sure everybody's going to AEW. In fact, we're looking to rent one of those skyboxes in the Wintrust Arena. But if you're interested, this Friday, the pre-sale code is R-E-V-P-W-T. And R-E-V is short for revolution. P-W-T is short for pro wrestling tees. So there you go. Also, if you're interested, AEW Dynamite is going to be coming to the State Farm Arena February 19th. And if you are, and that's in Atlanta, Georgia, by the way. If you want to buy tickets for that event, if you're in the Georgia area, it goes on sale this Friday as well, noon Eastern Standard Time. For those that live in the Kansas City area at the Silverstein Eye Center Arena, they will be there live for Dynamite on Wednesday, February 26th. Tickets go on sale this Friday as well, noon Eastern. AEW Ticks, that's TIX.com for additional information. Props to AEW because they issued a press release and this is legit. They're not hyping it or lying about it. It is legit. They have officially uh, surpassed 100,000 live event tickets sold. Um. It's an average of 5,700 tickets a show. That might have went down slightly after tonight because I don't think they sold. Well, you know what? They could have very well sold 5,700 tickets tonight. But, uh, again, what happens is you get a lot of scalpers that snatch up a bunch of tickets thinking that, you know, the show is going to be in serious demand, and they put these crazy prices on eBay, on, on these other secondary sites, and then it gets right before the show and they can't get rid of the tickets and then they just try to sell them for anything just to try to recoup money. So, you know, if you sell 6,000 tickets and only 3,000 people show up and that's because scalpers snatched up a, another 2,000 tickets they couldn't resell, oh, fucking well, you still got your money. So I, I do not, you know, of course I care that AEW's building is getting emptier and emptier and emptier. That's obviously a cause of concern. But we also have to look at the number of tickets that were sold and bought by scalpers that they couldn't resell because it's about making the money. Of course, you want to have a, a, an arena look filled. But, you know, if 2,000 people don't show because scalpers got stuck with those tickets, those scalpers are the dopes that fucking decided to snatch it up. You know what's going to happen Friday. You're going to have a lot of scalpers with the pre-sale code snatching up the best tickets or even the boondocks, and they're going to immediately put it for resale online for about 10 times the price, thinking that people are going to be desperate to buy the tickets. But, you know, AEW reaching 100,000, Paid live event tickets is, is a pretty cool deal. Pretty cool deal. One last thing about AEW tonight. Um, TalkSport did an interview with Cody. 
And this is starting to get a little bit of buzz online. Cody revealed that he was supposed to win WWE's Money in the Bank 2012 and 2013. Cody's quote, word for word, I'm so far removed now, I could give you a little bit of detail on this, and I hold no grudges, and I'm not sour over it. But the two years prior to Money in the Bank 2013, I was told I was winning Money in the Bank. This is two years in a row. Two years in a row, I was told in advance I was winning Money in the Bank, and both times it changed on that day. So if you guys ever wonder why I get a little spicy every now and then, that's a life-changing decision that you're prepared for, then that changes. You have to have very thick skin in wrestling sometimes. Mine is not that thick. So I did a little reminiscing tonight after Cody made that comment. And what I reminded myself of was the first year, Damian Sandow ended up winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. If you remember, they teamed up and they were the Rhodes Scholars and Cody Rhodes suffered a concussion. He was out of action for about a month, month and a half. And when they reformed as the Rhodes Scholars, they teased the split and then they realigned with each other. Damian Sandow at the time had a lot more momentum than Cody Rhodes. And if you remember after that, you know, they got into a feud and didn't Damian Sandow's briefcase get thrown in the ocean or something? He had to come back with his own briefcase. But Damian Sandow clearly had a lot more momentum at the time than Cody Rhodes. So I, you know, I'm I'm looking at it from the outside in. But, you know, when he got injured and the next couple of months, it didn't feel like Cody Rhodes had any momentum. Remember he came back with the fucking mustache? So, sure, WWE didn't help with the creative side of Cody, but... Putting it on Sandow, making that decision to give it to Sandow, I don't think anybody really had a problem with that at the time. But the following year, do you remember who won the money in the bank? It was Dolph Ziggler. And you remember when Dolph Ziggler cashed in that briefcase and beat Del Rio? You remember how fucking crazy that building went? Nothing against Cody. But fans that were fans in 2013, even if you're the most diehard Cody fans right now, you would be lying if you said anything otherwise. But you mean to tell me that in 2013, if it was Cody that had the briefcase and cashed in against Del Rio, Cody would have gotten the same pop or more than what Dolph Ziggler got. Dolph Ziggler's pop when he cashed in that briefcase is one of the the, the best moments of the decade, of the decade as far as TV goes. I don't ever recall Cody. And let's also go a little, little further with this. Shortly after this, do you remember the storyline that Dustin and Cody teamed up and they ended up, I think, what did they fight? They, what was it, the authority? Remember when Dusty got involved and they had... Dustin, Dusty, and Cody all hugging in the ring. That was fucking great TV. So, you know, I just don't, looking back on it, I don't see how Cody can't, you know, separate himself from and say, you know what, Dolph Ziggler was much more over than I was. Whether it's WWE's fault or not, Dolph Ziggler was the right person to get that briefcase at the time and cashed it in, and that cash-in was epic. I don't, I close my eyes and picture Cody 
being the one cashing it in, I just, I think it would have been like, it, it, the, the surprise factor would have generated a pop, no doubt. You can't compare Cody 2019 to Cody 2013. Two totally different people. Cody cashing in a briefcase now would get a crazy pop, without a doubt. But in 2013 and 2012, I think WWE made the right decisions. Just my opinion. Um, also, if you're interested, Sports Illustrated did an interview with Kenny Omega. It's a pretty decent interview if you want to go check it out. Now, um, I want to start wrapping this up soon because we're already approaching almost two hours, believe it or not. NXT tonight, um, great show as well. You know, I guess you would call it a much more organized show. And you know me, I've said it before, I like disorganization. You know, not a whole lot of it, but, you know, you got to find its moments. But we had Adam Cole retain the NXT title, defeating Finn Balor. I talked about this a little bit earlier. You know, match started a little bit slow, but it built up to a real fun ending. We had Johnny Gargano come out, and um, Adam Cole hit Finn Balor with a nut shot. Then he hit him with the last shot to pick up the win. And um, then we had Johnny Gargano going chair happy. Adam Cole retreats, and Gargano now is in the mixed you know, with, for the title. Gargano appears to be ready to return to the ring. Once again, once again, as I said before, WWE all of a sudden is using these quote-unquote fans a little bit too much that are sitting in the ringside area that just coincidentally are getting, you know, hit. You know, remember Cole went flying into the crowd from Keith Lee. You know, yes, NXT tonight definitely had better flow. But, again, it's two totally different products. You know, if NXT is the NFL, AEW is the arena football. I mean, that's the way. And there's nothing against that. Some people probably enjoyed arena football a hell of a lot more than the NFL. Maybe some people don't want that much, you know, organization. But it was an excellent match to start. It blew me away looking back on it to realize that Balor's match with Adam Cole was shorter than the tag team opener for AEW. I mean, that's just, if you really think about it, I mean, AEW match started really, really fast. It ended really, really fast. Yes, we had Adam uh, Page, Hangman Page, accidentally uh, hit a lariat onto Kenny Omega inadvertently. And that caused the, the loss. But, you know, Finn Balor versus Adam Cole, I enjoyed the storytelling because it did tell a story. They paced themselves and uh, ended up with a great match, great opener. As I said last week, I, had, I did not think at all Finn Balor had a shot of winning that belt. And the minute they announced that they were going to be opening tonight, a lot of people thought, okay, there's a very good chance that Rhea Ripley may win the women's title tonight. That was going to be our main event for the evening. So next we have Killian Dane versus Damian Priest. Damian Priest gets the win. 15-minute match. Um, it was it was a decent match. I think it went a little bit too long, too long in my opinion. Um, 
especially that they kept saying the whole night that Damian Priest still has the injured ribs. Uh, to go 15 minutes, your ribs ain't that fucking injured. Even though, you know, they were selling some of Killian Dane's power moves. Um, Killian Dane went for the Vader bomb towards the end, but Damian Priest got his knees up. Killian Dane selling, you know, the, the pain and Killian Dane hitting the crossroads. You know, he calls it the reckoning and gets the win. Decent match. Killian Dane, I'm not connected to yet. I don't know why. I just, he's he's talented, no doubt. But there's a couple of people in NXT that I have not connected with at all yet. Um, and I'm not saying this in any disrespect for Killian Dane. But if NXT went off the air right now and they had, I don't know, you had Killian Dane and Cameron Grimes and uh, Travis Banks all in the ring beating the fuck out of Ciampa, Gargano, and they have some guy in a mic and they're calling themselves the Dark Order. I mean, you would be like, the fuck you putting these people to close out the show for? So I'm just not feeling Killian Dane as of yet, even though he is definitely fucking talented. Next, we had Kushida losing to Cameron Grimes. I wanted to see Kushida get the victory. Cameron Grimes... I'm still, there's something about him. I put him in the same, I don't know, the same boat as Killian Dane. There's just something about their looks that I'm just not feeling it. I don't I don't know if a lot of you out there feel that way. It's just, I don't know if it's just the fact that they got a lot of guys that had the same physique and the same body hair and the same facial hair. Maybe it's not the exact same look, but they're all like similar. I just, they need to develop their character and charisma a little bit more. I mean, you don't have to be out there doing comedy shit or fucking, you know, just killing it on the mic. But this gritty, you know, no nonsense stuff, I don't know. I'm just not feeling it. Next, we had Io Shirai beat Santana Garrett in four minutes. Not much of a match there. Santana Garrett, you know, she's okay. I mean, we talked about it last week, and um, I think I mentioned this on Breakfast Soup. Um, do you remember who Santana Garrett's p- opponent was a couple of weeks ago on NXT where they had that horrendous women's match where they were actually talking to each other in the ring? Anybody in the chat remember this? Um, I hope somebody remembers because on Breakfast Soup, I mean, people picked it up in two seconds. Santana Garrett had that women's match on NXT that, you know, the match, what, forget it, forget it. People are now saying Tegan Knox. Forget it. Um, You could look it up. The match was so horrendous that they were talking to each other in the ring. Just so people know, because I never talked about it on Wednesday Night Dynamite, um, that horrendous women's match that took Tynara. Thank you, Flaccid. I knew someone would get it right. Tynara. Remember that match? Santana Garrett versus Tynara was one of the worst NXT matches of the year. Do you know? Do you know? Do the research if you think I'm I'm lying. The first quarter hour that NXT beat AEW in the ratings was that match. I kid you not. Anyway, Pete Dunne. Uh, defeating Travis Banks in 11 minutes. Uh, Pete Dunne, I notice a lot of people like to make fun of his size and his look. I like Pete Dunne. 
He's very intimidating. I mean, the fact that he's short, I just hope one day they don't fucking do a shorty G crap with him. Um, I mean, he's obviously no nonsense. He's more of a, a bruiser type, a brawler type. And I never had that feeling with Chad Gable. Pete Dunne is fucking great, man. And his match with Travis Bank tonight was pretty decent. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, those two guys have had matches in progress before that you could see a lot of footage online. But, um, you know, pretty good match. Pretty good match. A um, couple of interview segments throughout the night. I don't want to really get into, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't do every little fucking segment, but they were obviously hyping up Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley. I have been saying it for months now on the show. Rhea Ripley is my favorite NXT female. I'm just a little concerned that the Rhea Ripley show might be a little bit forced. I know right now it doesn't feel that way, but remember Survivor Series. I was fine with her work. She was great. But you might remember some of my comments saying that WWE's got to be very, very careful how they go further with Rhea Ripley because, you know, we it felt like they were leading towards her winning this title. And she won it tonight. And as I keep joking, everybody, Ripley won it. Believe it or not. Some people understand why I say that. But, uh, you know, Shayna Baszler's promos leading up to this match last week, this week, excellent. Rhea Ripley, I mean, she she really has earned her stripes. I have no problem with Rhea Ripley being the NXT Women's Champion right now. They fucking kicked it in the ring. They killed it in the ring. They kicked ass. This is something that WWE, you have to admit, does better than any other promotion out there when they really want to. And it happens more in NXT than anywhere else. They really know how to tell a story. And I brought this up before. All of the women that fought in NXT War Games, all of the women that fought in Survivor Series over the last couple of months especially, since they have gone on the USA Network, WWE has done a fabulous job with really building characters for every person. Everybody has an identity. Everybody's been given time. Everybody's been given, you know, uh, just development in their character. It, they're just not going out there and having matches for the sake of having matches. Sure, there are other women in NXT that seem lost in the shuffle, but the women especially involved in war games and Survivor Series... Not every single person in War Games fought at Survivor Series, but all those women really have developed. Rhea Ripley, they have done an excellent job with. They just can't get too comfortable with it because, you know, if fans feel that it's a little bit forced, you know, it might start turning against her. Um, hell, look at Becky. Becky, I still have a lot of praise for, but when people felt that WWE was forcing a little bit too much with the Becky stuff. Some people were really starting to pull back on there. Now, obviously, Becky's character and Rhea Ripley's are totally different. Two totally different personalities, but you can't force it. It's got to feel organic. Right now, right now, Rhea Ripley feels completely organic. She had a fabulous match with Shayna Baszler. At the very end, when they're on that top rope, I mean, I mean, it was fucking 
Awesome. And even in, even when we thought that Rhea Ripley got choked out and she grabbed the referee, and the referee's got this look on his face like, get off of me, let me go, let me go. It, it, it This really told a fabulous story. Of all the matches tonight that aired on both shows, Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler was my favorite. More than Adam Cole and Finn Balor. I just thought it told a wonderful story. I'm curious to see what happens with Shayna Baszler now. I'm curious to see what happens with Ronda Rousey because for those who are not on Patreon, when we did the predictions contest this weekend, um, one of the bonus questions I wrote was, is Ronda Rousey going to make an appearance at the pay-per-view? Now, I didn't really think that she was, but in the back of my mind, I said, you know what? We really haven't heard anything about babies. So I'm thinking Ronda Rousey coming back in time to build a storyline for WrestleMania, and then maybe leaving again, that is very, very possible. And Shayna Baszler, if they wanted her to get involved with Ronda Rousey as well and the Four Horsewomen, it's not that far-fetched to think Four Horsewomen versus Four Horsewomen at WrestleMania. That's something that I said two years ago I thought would happen. Now, obviously, some members of... Ronda Rousey's Four Horsewomen needed a lot more seasoning, but who knows? Let's see where it goes from here. But good job on the behalf of the women tonight. Really, uh, you know, didn't, could not complain about any of the match at all. Now, if you notice, not too much talk about NWA tonight. That is because Mish and I did an entire NWA Into the Fire pay-per-view recap over the weekend. We both watched the pay-per-view live. We did a great recap. And, um, you know, go check it out. I mean, they they did their first episode following the pay-per-view. And they are now starting to push the return of the NWA TV title. And um, the participants in the TV title tournament are Ricky Starks, Trevor Murdoch, Cole Cabana, uh, Thomas Latimer, the question mark, Eddie Kingston, T- Tim Storm, Zane Dawson, Dave Dawson. Uh, Nick Aldis, I think, might be in it as well, which to me doesn't make sense. But also, Zicky Dice. Get used to the name Zicky Dice. Because for anybody out there that likes NWA, that likes the throwback, that likes the retro, Zicky Dice has something. Trust me when I tell you, if you do a little research about the guy, um, some of you may have even heard of the band Heart to Heart. He actually uh, performed in the band. He might have been the singer, I think. Um, I will say this. Maybe because Zicky Dice has wrestled in other areas, I was kind of disappointed. Even though Seth Rollins is being a heel right now, I'm kind of disappointed. Unless maybe... He did say something, and I missed it. Um, You know, I would have hoped that Seth Rollins would have showed a little love online towards Zicky Dice because Zicky Dice trained at Seth Rollins' Black and Brave Wrestling Academy. That's all right. In the chat, yeah, Missionary's got a screenshot. It's almost like the best way I could put it is if Steve Carino fucked Jimmy Jam Garvin, you know, I think 
he probably would look like Zicky Dice. He's got charisma. There's a funny YouTube video online of him walking into the pro wrestling tea store in in Chicago. Um, it's pretty funny. He reminds me of an 80s fucking wrestler. And you know what's great about him too? He grew up a pro wrestling fan. He wanted to be a pro wrestler. And he's pursuing his dream. So, you know, is he going to be a tremendous star? I don't know. You know, he's already in his 30s. So, you know, I don't know how many years he would have left. Um, you know, see. I, I My guess is, I don't know, 34? Maybe he's around, you know, he's got to be early 30s. But get familiar with the name. You know, may, you know what? You could even maybe throw in a little bit of old school DDP, you know, um, you know, before he made it. You know, it, I, I, yeah, yeah. I think Jimmy Jam Garvin meets DDP meets a little bit of Steve Carino. I don't know why I keep thinking of a little bit of, you know, Carino. I don't maybe just to look a little bit, but I, 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 I really dug it. This week's TV show was a lot of fun. Um, you know, Scott Steiner is going to be making some appearances in NWA, which I have no issue with whatsoever. Uh, Aaron Stevens is just killing it. I had made a prediction. I think uh, eventually Aaron Stevens and the question mark will fight each other for Aaron Stevens's title. Um, maybe somebody out there could help me with this. Because I'm drawing a blank right now, and I honestly can't remember who it was. But I am convinced that back in the day, there was another wrestler who used to, and it's not George the Animal Steel. There was a wrestler who did not speak English, and I could swear he used to yell out, Karate! back then i can't remember who it is it just it, i'm telling you somebody back in the day used to do that i'm just drawing blanks right now and i can't figure it out was it the missing link did the missing link actually say karate i don't i don't remember you know no no missing link you know i understand why you're saying missing link because he would say one words but, but no, that's actually not a bad guess. But some telling you, somebody back in the day used to do it. I, I, I know it. I just, for some reason, I remember being a kid and somebody going, karate. I don't know. Unless, unless somebody was, you know what? Maybe it was Missing Link saying something else. And maybe question mark is doing it, but is using karate instead of something else. I don't know. But uh, this week was not bad. Um, you had the wild cards over the Dawson's. Rock and Roll Express still have those belts. They won a squash match this week. Uh, they started some TV title qualifying matches to see who advances in the in the uh, the rounds. Zicky Dice did advance. Um Cole Cabana uh, is going to be taking on the question mark. I don't, I don't remember them having a match. But um, Eli Drake and Kenny Anderson, they had a little bit more of their feud. This time they had a no DQ. Towards the end of the night, 
we had sort of a faction. It was not Killicon. Killicon would just scream. Um, but Nick Aldis has formed an alliance with the Wild Cards, and we even had um, Thomas Latimer uh, playing tonsil hockey with Camille. When Camille had no shoes on, I think that was a telltale sign that she was hitting somebody with a move. But, you know, she hits a spear on Tim Storm. You know what? Nothing against the bunny. But Camille um, spearing Tim Storm was a thousand times more believable than the bunny pulling Cody into the corner turnbuckle. I don't know if anybody saw that tonight. But it just, I, I don't know. I just, something about it was just like, ugh, ugh, ugh. So anyway, uh, so if you have not had a chance to see NWA Power this week, go check it out. It was a great episode. And um, remember remember the name. Zicky Dyson, no. Uh, there's an Aust- I know I have a large Australian contingency that tunes into my shows. And from your neck of the woods, there's a wrestler by the name of Slex. Not Slex Savannah. S-L-E-X. He has signed with Ring of Honor. Um, we also had the Beer City Bruiser re-sign with Ring of Honor and uh, Brian, Brian Malonis, I think his last name is. And, um, you know, Slex, he, he's, 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 he looks pretty talented. I mean, I've seen a little bit of his work on YouTube. You know, I, I saw him posing uh, when he's with the movie premiere of Fight with my family, and I've seen him with some other poses. I think he likes Finn Balor. I don't know why, but some of his poses just remind me a little bit of Finn Balor, but he is going to be coming to uh, Ring of Honor, and uh, he's going to be, uh, I think he's going to be a, a bigger name in Ring of Honor than some people think, even though Ring of Honor right now obviously has some big-time problems. I truthfully hope that Ring of Honor could turn it around, but right now they got some big-time problems. I mean, as you could, you could see it. It's just... It's weird because I have been saying for the last two months that if you look at all of the main feds that I cover on this show, it seems like Ring of Honor and Impact Wrestling are the two that feel like uh, they're battling to see who folds first. I don't know why. I don't want to see either one of them fold, but they got some issues. Now, speaking of issues and Ring of Honor and New Japan as well, um... The problems with Tamatonga and Enzo continue. Now, anybody out there that's going to immediately try to be a wise ass and say, oh, you're only defending Enzo because he, he cut a promo wishing me congrats that I got engaged and all that stuff. If, you, if you're saying that, you're either looking to get tweet fucked by me, and if you're a guy, I don't go that route. But um, anybody that listens to my shows years knows mission i uh, look nothing against kev joey numbers drape or anybody else you know i don't pay attention to to their views as much because i do breakfast soup with mish but i know that us two more than anybody that i know have defended enzo to the moon with this whack job that accused him of sexual abuse and all that stuff i mean she was a whack job we felt bad for her she had obviously emotional issues Unfortunately, and, you know, look, my neck of the woods, thank God back in the day when I went to clubs, you know, we had beepers. 
So, you know, when people would beat me and uh, I wouldn't answer, ultimately it would just beat back whole and they would move on. Nowadays, you got social media, you got all this other stuff, and you can't fucking grab the pussy without that person fucking following you around. So, unfortunately, if someone looks hot, you might find out that someone really knows how to, you know, blow a good, you know what, or is a good lay, you know, if that person's a couple of eggs short of a dozen, no matter how good the sex may be, it might be best to just stay clear away from whack jobs. You know, I'd rather have boring sex with someone that's not controversial than have amazing sex with a nut job. That's just me. But, um, you know, so when I defend Enzo, it's not, it's, this has been a long time. But, you know, you may remember Enzo, Big Kaz showing up, Ring of Honor thing. It was funny how people thought that it was a shoot. We obviously from day one went against that. But thing is, is that never went any further. And Tama Tonga has had a lot of shit to say about Enzo and vice versa, to be fair. And this weekend, Enzo, um, I don't remember where he was. I got, I got the promo here, but Enzo just decided to uh, call out Tama Tonga once again. Aloha from Wyoming. I know a girl from the island. She stands apart from the crowd. She loves the sea and her people. She doesn't make a family proud. Sometimes the world seems against you. The journey may leave a scar. But sometimes those scars reveal exactly where you are. Somewhere at the bottom of a totem pole. Okay, but do you know who you are? Tama Moana Tonga? Do you know about your family history? You're nothing more than a bitch with the benefit of being born into wrestling royalty. The daughter of a village chief, okay? And I wasn't born with a microphone tatted on my hand, okay? I earned everything I got. And I don't care who your cousins are, okay? Because entitlement is the cousin of failure. And that's what you are, a failure. A disappointment to Haku. You will never fill your father's shoes. You are going to be swimming in them your whole life. Fish. You ain't nothing but a small fish in a lake that ain't great, bitch. All right? And when you pull that Tammy, that tampon out of New Japan, it's going to get bloody. And I didn't make a living in shark-infested waters. I made a killing. I made enough money in one year to sit back for five, all right? I made more money in one year off a t-shirt than you're making your whole career. And that's on God. All right, because when you were running out of ammo with the Bullet Club running around with wooden guns and the NRA showed up to my front lawn, understand, I didn't have to politic to get to the top. All right, but when the NRA shows up with two skinheads, a guy with a soccer mom haircut, I showed the club that bullets ain't no match for a lightsaber. I'm smack talk a Skywalker dog, and I hate to be the one to pull the pineapple off your pizza, Moana, but the Clone Wars are over. That vest on your chest ain't gonna help you, you bootleg Roman Reigns. I'm aiming for your head. Keep saying my name in vain, you shit stain. One of these promoters that you've been telling not to book me is gonna book me and you at the same spot. And I'm gonna beat the avocado off that ass, you bitch. Now, this has been building for a while, and this goes back to earlier this year. And if you think back to WrestleMania and that whole situation with Enzo and Kaz not going anywhere, a lot of you may not remember this, but uh, Tama Tonga went on social media about 30 seconds and said this, Tenzo. 
What up, real one? I'll just address you straight up. You ain't gotta call out the locker room. It was me. It was fucking me. Huh, real one? You a real fucking idiot. You know why? You know why? We ain't letting you in? Cause you're cancer. We don't want that to spread in our workplace. You're fucking cancer. You talk about bringing in money? <laughs> oh shit. Now we're talking about you killing our business. You're a cancer. Not on my fucking watch, bitch. Now, obviously, I'm from the outside looking in, but I will tell you my honest thoughts of this for the last eight months. Um, I look at it like this. If anybody does any research on Tomatonga's career, almost all of it is New Japan. You'd be shocked as far as how much of his work is New Japan and almost nothing else. Yeah, he did some, you know, here and there elsewhere, but it's mostly New Japan. Um, as far as win-loss, he's about 50-50, close to that. But the thing is this, in my opinion. Um, you know, look, I don't have the lifestyle of Enzo. <laughs> I, I never did. Um, he parties, whatever it is. But, you know, as far as being a cancer in a locker room, I don't know where that comes from. I don't. You know, I just, I don't know where that comes from. I don't, if he comes off as a dick, fine. But there's a lot of dicks in wrestling. I just, calling it a cancer to me is just, I don't know. It just, it may sound sexy, but I, I'll tell you my honest take on this. Apparently, Tama Tonga is still really bad-mouthing Enzo. And, you know, yeah, Enzo had the incident with Joey Janela at the Blink-182 concert, blah, 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 blah. All right, but I honestly think that a lot of this has to do with Big Cass and, you know, the threats that were made and the issues. And I just think that because Kaz has some serious emotional issues that he is, you know, trying to deal with, and it's not like you turn the light switch on and off and, hey, I'm cured or taking a couple of pills and you're fine. You know, this is a big time, you know, therapy for Kaz. Um, it's a lot easier to use Enzo as the scapegoat, in my opinion, because, you know, it's interesting how Kaz's uh, name is always absent. And I think that's because, obviously, you see how everybody went crazy against Corey Graves when he went there with Mara Ranallo, who we know has some issues with depression and, you know, it, it, it's all documented. But Tomatonga, I think, is 37 years old or 38 years old. And, you know, I don't know how much of a career he has left, but, you know, just trying to get someone banned in other locker rooms, if that is true, I just think is totally uncalled for because I don't see this guy opening his mouth up, you know, when I, and I'm not trying to compare Enzo to ACH or anything else, but to turn around and to call that guy a cancer and seeing other people in wrestling that, you know, in my opinion are a hell of a lot worse or the perception is, I, I just, I just think this is more of, who can, you know, bitch out the other more in social media? I don't know a lot of why Enzo would be a cancer to a locker room. 
I, I don't get that. I don't get that at all. And um, if Tama Tonga is still talking shit about Enzo, I think, you know, he needs to, you know, focus his time elsewhere because in a blink of an eye, that guy's going to be 40 years old, 45 years old. And look, just because he may not wrestle full time anymore doesn't mean that he's not going to work still backstage for New Japan or another promotion. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I'm having a hard time, you know, trying to understand why Enzo would be a cancer to a locker room. Maybe he rubs people the wrong way. Maybe he's not, you know, the quintessential, you know, team player. But if the guy's fucking talented in the ring and he's doing his own thing and he goes to work and leaves and decides he wants a party after, if, if that's what you don't do, you know, your morals, you know, you put it this way. I don't think people should be banned or people trying to ban people from other shows simply because their lifestyle is a little bit different. This is my opinion. But anyway, uh, Hard to Kill for Impact Wrestling is taking place January 12th in Dallas. Current matches announced. Eddie Edwards versus Michael Elgin. Brian Cage versus RVD. Moose versus Rhino, which may end up being Extreme Rules. Madman Fulton versus Ken Shamrock. The North versus Rich Swan and Willie Mack. That will be for the Impact Tag Titles. Uh, Josh Alexander, Ethan Page are the current champs. Taya Valkyrie is defending the knockouts title against Jordan Grace and ODB. And again, what I said earlier about NWA and exclusivity and ODP. OD, did I say ODP? ODB to what I was saying earlier. Uh, Ace Austin is defending the Impact X Division title against Trey Miguel. And the match that everybody obviously is focused on, Sammy Callahan defending the Impact Heavyweight title against Tessa Blanchard. Um, I think we're pretty close to being done, everybody. Uh, once again, just a reminder that next Wednesday, there will not be a Wednesday Night Dynamite. Both NXT and AEW will not be live because of Christmas. So I will be taking Christmas off. For those that are on Patreon, if you did not hear it on Monday, just a little bit of a schedule update. Tomorrow, Thursday, Mish and I will be doing a very easy, you know, no stress, not, you know, just down to earth, simple, quick breakfast soup. Uh, Friday will probably be, once again, a combination of blah, 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 and um, Wild Card Friday, since everybody loved last week's episode. Um, next week, Christmas week, our schedule. Monday will be the Don Tony and Kevin Castle show. Thursday will be Castle Chronicles. Kev is going to take off Christmas Eve and he's going to do Castle Chronicles next Thursday. That's probably just going to be for one week only, maybe two, but Castle Chronicles will air next Thursday live. Next Friday, Mish and I will be doing a breakfast soup edition of Wild Card Friday. So again, next week, Monday, DTKC show. Thursday, Castle Chronicles. Friday, Breakfast Soup. Next Saturday will probably be blah, blah, blah. And then the following week, we'll probably be back into the normal routine. So uh, that's pretty much it. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And, you know, look, I don't ever want to make some listeners feel, you know, more important than others. But big props to everybody who tuned in live tonight. Uh, pretty amazing how many of you tune live between the three servers, Discord, Mixler, and uh uh, ice cast, but um, especially that we ended up going late. But I guess since there's no show next week, you know, this went longer than I expected, but it was a lot of fun. 
And, um, you know, I like the idea of being able to mix in some audio clips here and there as well, just to mix it up a little bit. And I will admit, when I was playing the Jericho stuff before, I went and uh, grabbed myself a diet soda, took a leak, washed my hands, came back just in time for Jericho's interview to finish. So that actually gives me a couple of moments to uh, stretch my legs. And don't forget, in a couple of weeks, video is coming to Don Tony. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting, and it's going to really uh, change us around, especially, you know, the opening music, because yours truly does do a little bit of the dancing, you know, even though I look goofy. But, you know, as I say all the time, you know, if you can't poke fun at yourself, you know, then you really, uh, you know, something's wrong here. You got to be able to pause. And trust me, for a very long time, I could not do that as much as I do now. You know, I think some people out there just take themselves way too seriously. You know, nobody's perfect out there. And the idea of people, you know, still just hiding. You know, I can understand 20 years ago because not everybody, you know, had profiles online. But the idea that people still, you know, won't post a picture of their face, post an old picture of themselves, won't post anything about them privately. It's like, you know, I don't care how nice you are online. I don't care how nice you sound. I don't care how nice you write. I don't care how nice. What are you, what are you hiding? Seriously. You know, it's weird, man, because I, I say it about entertainment. You know, the, the entertainers out there that are the biggest most loudest proponents against sexual abuse with women seem to be the ones that end up getting caught doing so. You know, the P, it just, it happens more than you can imagine. And I think these people out there, you know, that are just like the nicest, sweetest people that come across on podcasts or blogs, or whatever, but yet just hide everything about themselves. And they'll just lie and tell stories to give the aura that, you know, they're open and honest you know, I could only imagine the skeletons that are falling out of their closets right now. So, but uh, who the fuck cares about them, right? We just worry about us, the Donzilla Army, the DTKC Soup Inner Circle. And uh, remember, we were using Inner Circle way before Inner Circle was deemed cool. So, all right, everybody, I'm pandering. I got to get out of here. I got a little tweaking to do with the audio, but uh, once again, pleasure as always. Thank you for the support. I'll be back in two weeks, January 1st, 2020, with your next edition of Wednesday Night Dynamite. Take care, everyone. Be well. Once again, have a great holiday and Merry fucking Christmas. Take care. Be well. Ciao. It was fun to channel surf. It was kind of hard to do a little pocket pool after you're hitting the last channel button 50 times for two hours plus. And his whole idea of overanalyzing, oh, he's an alcoholic and he misplaced the belt. And how could you have someone champion like that? Get the fuck out of here. Wednesday night. Donomite, you can have fun. You really are. I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research 
a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, myhealthpolicy.com. New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. 